Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn. I feel like I'm coming in a little hot. Joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. Are you oh, in John. Brooklyn? Technically, no, you're not, no, no, right? You know, for, yeah, we don't need to talk about that, though. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> for, uh, for a legal defense, I, I am in Brooklyn. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, no I one will care. Is, no one will I, care. I was going to say, no one cares where you're at, but just figure out factually. I uh, don't want to lie to the five people that listen to this. I'm I'm allegedly in Brooklyn. Yeah. You are a little loud, by the way. You might want to just... I know. That's why I'm going to gonna drop this down a little bit. I'm yeah, yeah, using, just a I may, bit. yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. How's that? Uh, just a little Okay. Loud. All right. Well, look, we, we, were, okay. we were having a conversation and you were like, hey, man, let's talk about this. Show before the show that we should record. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about 1994, the year of movies, and how that's arguably the best year of movies ever. Because I was talking yes. about, we, you know, you mentioned Pulp Fiction. We started talking about Sleepers, this movie that you never heard of that came out in 96. And I said, like, this is a movie that's posing as a good movie, and I would argue it's not a good movie. And then we just went down this rabbit hole talking about. 1994. I always bring up 1994 because one of my favorite movies of all time is Quiz Show that came out in 94 and it was nominated for a lot of awards, did not win any awards, uh, directed by uh, Robert Redford, of course, who's also known for directing the smash hit The Legend of Back of Vance. Who could forget? Never forget. And um, we all agree on that. Great movie. And then you found a list that put 1994 as the number four. Four on the list Number of the four. greatest years for movies ranked. It's one through nine, and I'd argue I, I agree with you by the way because my my favorite film of all time is Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. right. and I would say that's that's a pretty cliche answer for anyone born in the eighties. That Pulp yeah. Fiction would be their favorite movie of all time, but Pulp Fiction is great, and I think that that to me changed the way we make films of telling stories. You know, I know Quentin Tarantino likes using the N word a lot, but that's that's mm-hmm. a sign of the times because I listened to Goodfellas and they they said it as well. So it was just a different time back in the nineties. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of movies in the early two thousands we couldn't remake, or even the mid two thousands we couldn't remake today with some of the language that's in them. Um, but yeah, Pulp Fiction to me will forever be my greatest film of all time from top to bottom. That movie is great. The dialogue is great. It's funny listening to like the audio and stuff though, like gunshots and stuff. We do those way better now. <laughs> Back then, we didn't do gunshots very well. It sounded like something coming out of an out of a out of an ADR stage um, or a Foley stage. So yeah, um, but, yeah. yeah. But they they also you know the sound equipment has evolved. Like everything really evolved. Everything's Visually, evolved. But kinda... that film is still. If you watch Pulp Fiction, that movie's three hours as well. The movie's long. Mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about long movies later. Yeah, that that movie is awesome. So the fact that this is number four immediately intrigued me. Of like, well, what are you gonna put above this? For the greatest years in movies. So I, I want to go through this quickly. Number right, nine. What's the source? What's the source? Uh, it is movieweb.com. It's the first link on mm. Google. This is from November okay. 1st, 2022. So okay. uh, some of these you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that actually was a pretty good year. So number nine is 2012. So to read off some movies from 2012, Argo, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, yeah. Sure. Skyfall. Yeah. Lincoln. Silver Linings Playbook, Life of Pi, Beasts of the Southern Wild, The Master. Okay. 
so like okay like fair enough right you got some i mean between skyfall and argo and zero dark 30 i mean you got some good films you got some award-winning films in there lincoln right like so fine a decent decent year but i would say that's probably like number nine okay i I believe it Mm -hmm. number eight 1989 all right the little mermaid when harry met sally indiana jones in the last crusade batman I'm trying to think which oh. Batman was that in 1989. Can you can you pinpoint? That was the Michael. Well, not the, that original. Was the... the original is the Adam West Batman. No, no, it's the Michael Keaton. It's Michael Keaton yeah. Batman. That's yeah. Batman 89. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Glory, Dead Poet Society, My Left Foot, and Spike Dead Poet Society. The... That's that's another yeah. one of those movies. That's like that. That's another. That's in the similar vein as Sleepers. And again, I I mean, Dead Poet Society is a better movie. Yes, it is. There is a through line. I've never seen but Dead Poets Society is a pretty good movie. There's a through line of Dead Poets Society. But I, you know what else is? The thing about Dead Poets Society is it's a movie that I, it's one of those things that I want to be inspirational. And it's just so depressing. That movie is so depressing when you get to the end of it. But yeah, I mean, look, I appreciate all the things in it. All right, it's a good movie. I'll give it up. It's a good movie. But yeah, it's so just like, all right. Yeah. So like you read that and you go, okay, that's fine. Do the right thing. Also 1989. So, all right, like right right yeah, now, you sure. read this list and you're like, okay, cool. Number seven is 2007. So the two big films for that year were No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. And I would argue I get those two names mixed up for what the movie actually is because they came Everyone out within does. months of each other, right? <laughs> so it's like the yeah, same. Yeah, they're the, those are the Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton's of movie time. Yes. Yeah, because they came out the same year, around the same time, and were both sort of these have-to-see movies. So to read the rest of these in here, Into the Wild, Atonement. Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Zodiac, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James, Hot Fuzz, Juno, Ratatouille, and of course the classic, The Bourne Ultimatum. <laughs> also in this. That movie's great. Seven. Don't it don't is. shit on those. I mean, it they, is, but it's, that, it's tri- still funny that trilogy. Yeah. That that is a that that's man the Bourne trilogy. If you just take that in a vacuum, that is one of the best trilogies. They really do nail it. They're good. I, th- I think the fourth movie spoiled all of that, though. I know it's not the same. It's not in the same trilogy. Yeah. But I feel like that ruined, like, they should have just left it at those three and, and left it alone. And I think more totally. people think about the fourth one going like, oh, this is, this is you know, oh, the Bourne movies weren't as good. Because I think everyone remembers the last one more than they remember any of the other ones, to be honest. And that wasn't even, and that wasn't even the last one. Keep in mind, they made five of them because they made Legacy, yeah. which is the one with Jeremy Renner. And then they made Jason Bourne. Which was arguably worse than Legacy. Yeah, so like so, I think yeah. you right. can ruin your trilogy that. by that, right? Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. I would argue this next year should be higher. Now, some of this is biased because these are the years that we remember, right? Like I don't remember, like sure, nineteen eighty nine, don't remember as much, but two thousand twelve, two thousand seven, I would argue don't have as much just because we're a little older by then. But number mm-hmm. six is nineteen ninety nine, and I would argue this needs to be higher, right? Oh yeah. So I'm going to read off the list for this: Toy Story two, The Matrix. The Sixth Sense, American Beauty, Talented Mr. Ripley, Being John Malkovich, Blair Witch Project, Magnolia, Insider, Green Mile, and this also has the last, which is Office Space, which is the last thing on this list. That's a good year for movies for someone who's 15 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, that is an awesome... It's a great year I think for I, films. I, yeah. It's great. because it, it, really it, it, it covers everything. It covers animated films, covers action films covers dramas, 
covers comedy. It covers everything. Where a lot of these years, it's a lot of dramas or it's a lot of comedy. Like it's kind of the same type of film. But 1999 covers everything. That's a solid year for films. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Number five. Number five is one of my favorites of all time. And that definition of a cult classic, right? Like I know I kind of said before this that Pulp Fiction, but like no, that's a cult classic because nobody knew anything about Office Space. But Office Space is great. Also, the amount of transformative movies in that year. I mean, mean, it's still talked about. It's still like that movie is still brought up all the time now. Like the the Matrix, the Matrix completely changed everything about action movies. Absolutely, from the moment it came out, and the Blair Witch Project that started a moment for yeah, like the single camera found found footage footage films. Yeah, without that, you wouldn't have had Paranormal Activity. I mean, you wouldn't have a lot of these other movies that that spawned out of that. And then keep in mind, like not just the movie itself, but that whole marketing campaign. That was the perfect time. That was the, the probably the latest you can do a movie like the Blair Witch Project. So you could have actual conversations. They're like, is it real? Like it's real. Oh yeah. yeah. Like to actually have a debate without it being like, no, it's all nonsense. But but also like the sixth sense. I know we kind of laugh at the sixth sense now, but at the time I watched in the movie theater, like the oh, twist yeah, of too. that movie was crazy mm-hmm. at the time. Right. Where now everything has twist and turn. And it's not that, you know, like whatever. Oh, the, you know, Bruce Willis is actually dead. Like, the, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't actually spoiler alert. <laughs> that that doesn't stick now the way that it did in 1999. So yeah, I would say that's a pretty strong year. It's not as strong as 1994, but on this list, I put that too because that's a pretty strong year. That's pretty good. Well, let's see. We'll see what the others are. All right, number five, 1984. So obviously, neither of us were alive, but this no. is a pretty good year as well. So Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cop. You got Footloose, Karate Kid. You've got Terminator, Terminator One. You've got Amadeus, which I think took the most Oscars, took eight Oscars that year. You've got The Killing Fields. Uh, what else? And you've got Once Upon a Time in America. So pretty good year, but higher than 1999 to me. Now it's unfair if I was born before that. You know, if I was born in the 70s, maybe I'd feel the same way. But I mean, not nearly as well rounded as as the year before it is 1999 on this list. So that's number five. 19, number four is 1994, which we already talked about, which me and you, I think, both believe is the strongest year for filmmaking. It's got to be. Yeah. Now, th- now, the next three on this list are going to make you mad because this is just a, this tells you how pretentious the person is who wrote this article. Number three is 19. 19- to show that they. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know movies. It's like, all right, yeah. whatever. It's like, you don't remember them. Like, number one this year is nonsense. But um, 1967 is number three, right? So Bonnie and Clyde, In the Heat of the Night, Cool Hand Luke, Wait Until Dark, uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort, like some of these films I've never heard of before. So like I'm like, sure, maybe in like the grand scheme of The Graduate, like, you know, there's some iconic films in here, but is that stronger than any of the other years for iconic filmmaking? No way. It's not even close. It's like it's just yeah. So and I'd argue 1975 that I'm about to read should be it's pretty good if you're a film buff then fine I'll give this year to you. So 1975 is number two. One flew over cuckoo's nest. Dog day afternoon. Jaws. Nashville. Picnic at Hanging Rock. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is the first of these films that have come out. There's been a bunch of them. Monty Python and the Holy Grail came out in 1975. 
So like, sure, if you're a film buff, fine. But I got to give them some of these though. There's some, there's some, there's some really good ones here. 1975 is a great year. Like, fine. Like, you know, if you're a film, but buff, I would like, not, yeah. I wouldn't put it over 94. Neither would I. No way. I wouldn't put over 99. No. Personally. And of no. course, number one, which you're going to go like, this is, this is why this is nonsense. 1939. <laughs> number yeah, one. Whatever. Who could forget? And, and, Who forget? And, and it's because you've got, it's because you've got two films. Gone with the Wind. And Wizard of Oz. Great, great year. Fine. But better than any of the ones we just named. 1975, 1999, 1994. No. No. So you got Wait, Mr. Smith s- goes to Washington this year. You've got Dark Victory. You've got Gunja. I don't Din. know what that is. And again, I that's what I mean. Like, either. it's a bunch of nonsense. 1939 is not. Like, come on now. Like, I get it. The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, which again, Gone with the Wind is still the highest earning film of all time. If you if you take an inflation, like I get it, take that, it's great, take that, Jim, take that, Jim Cameron. Yeah, like it's great, but it's but it's not. It's Gone with the Wind. Stop it. <laughs> Isn't that racist? Isn't that like the movie racist now? It's got like yeah, these issues I, or no? Did I make that yeah, up? Yeah, it does. Or it's that or the sound of music. It's it's one of those two. <laughs> yeah, one of them is racist, right? Whatever. So yeah, anyways, that's again 94. I'm with you. I agree with you on this. 94 is the greatest it's the greatest year for films of all time. Like regardless of what this list says for for filmmaking across all where we are now, 2023, it's 1994. Yeah. I I agree. I don't it's like it's if you really want to be going into like the weeds of technicality, but you got to take the whole year as a whole. Yeah. And like so I look, look at, other, at it, if you look at other as, lists, if, if you look at other lists, we're right, right? It's ninety four and ninety nine. If you look at other lists, those are the those are the two years that are always first. Ninety four and mm-hmm. ninety nine. Eighty eighty four shows up. Two thousand twelve shows up. Like you know, other movie years, but not nineteen thirty eight or what 90, whatever year this was that I just read. Nonsense. Is yeah. Nineteen thirty nine. Like just stop. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to argue with you. I think. There you uh, go. I think All right. But we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to some film later. Um, I do want to, I want to talk about something before we before we get into some of these these couple of news stories that got pulled here. Mm-hmm. First of all, at this moment, as we're as our voices are being piped out to some people, I, I have no other way of saying this other than uh, Greg might be nude listening to this in the shower. And if we time it perfectly, and that's happening right now, then I'd say that's amazing and he might slip and die out of laughing too much. Wow. I apologize. Why are you trying to kill Greg? What happened? I'm not trying to kill Greg. I want to make a point. Which is why how, if, first of all, do you do you listen to podcasts in the shower? I do. Absolutely. What how? What do you mean how? How I all right, you must have this then my assumption is that your uh, water pressure is pretty weak. You got weak no, water my water pressure. pressure is super strong. Mm. So I've got I've got a I've got like multiple UE booms, oh, and they're shit. waterproof, right? They're waterproof. Got it. Oh, so so you so you connect your phone, you. yeah. So you connect the phone to the speaker, you turn on your podcast, you leave the phone by the sink, and you crank that baby up, and you listen to it in the shower. It's not that hard. <laughs> so you just need a waterproof speaker, and now every single portable speaker under a hundred bucks is waterproof. So that's yeah, but how, how loud does this thing have to be? 
pretty loud. To overcome. It's loud now. I would argue you could hear it outside of the shower while I'm while I'm listening to this. Now again, I don't live in New York. I don't have neighbors. My neighbors are not connected to me. So yeah, I can turn it up as loud that, as I want. For to. sure. Yeah. So that that helps, right? Like there's no one below me gonna knock on the or you know, above me that's gonna stomp on the ground saying, Turn your music down. But I, I live in a house. So I crank it up, listen to music in the shower. Like the shower is, yeah, it's it's a great place to listen music to music. Music is different. I, I've it listened is, to but, music. In but I listen shower, to podcasts shower. more often. 99% of the time I listen to podcasts when I'm in the shower. Now, again, I would argue this is like a weekend thing when, I, when I've got time. Because otherwise, right? Like showers, you know, five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how much of a podcast can, can you listen to in five to 10 minutes? But yeah, that's why I've got, and I've got multiple of these speakers. So one dies, just bring the other one, charge it. So yeah, I, I'm a showerless. I would assume Greg does something similar. I'm assuming he's got a waterproof Bluetooth speaker that he brings into the shower with him. Probably. I've tried, and I've done this, but... With a Bluetooth, you know, with a waterproof speaker. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, UE Boom, I don't know, one or two. I think they're all yeah. waterproof, actually. All the they are, but, yeah. Um, Great yeah. speakers, by so, the way. I've owned one for like 12 years. <laughs> about what neighbors can hear so i can only go so loud because you do have to go loud enough to overcome the the water yes bagging around you know but again again i don't live in new york so i don't really care like my neighbors i've got one neighbor who can hear anything that i'm doing i don't care like just turn it up but i've also come to this place where the shower is the area is the time where i try to actually i don't want any sensory stuff obviously there's no screens there and it would also be good to you know not have any not have any uh, people talking to me either. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess the I listen to podcasts that's all the, the time. That's the difference. No, I like listening to podcasts all the time. So I try to make that like the shower is my safe space. Does that well, make that's sense? the difference, right? Like I would argue you spend more time commuting than Greg does. Greg still commutes, but you spend more time on average throughout your week commuting on trains and walking to the train station and all those things and Greg does. So you most likely have more time to listen to podcasts. And at work, you probably listen to more podcasts if you got a quiet moment and you're typing something or you're doing something. Where Greg is working a job where he's not got a, he's not got earbuds in when he's working, right? So like, yeah, I don't like he probably has similar time that I do. As like I don't actually have a bunch of time to listen to podcasts. So the shower is a good place. If it's something you really want to listen to and you got some time, it's a good place to turn on a podcast. All right, fair enough, fair enough. See? Then I guess uh, I'm, I'm in the minority here. I, I think you who, are in the uh, minority, actually. I think there's more okay. people that listen right. to podcasts in the shower than not. All right. Well, fair enough. Hey, look, if you're if you're listening to this right now, you're in the shower, turn it up. Let your neighbors hear it. Get the good word out. Tell them about, tell them, spread the good word about He's Abroad. Say it's great to listen to in the shower. Um, all right, here's, here's the other last thing I want to bring up. Yesterday, this is just a little silly anecdote that happened. Yesterday, I go to, uh, I get some barbecue. I go to Mighty Quinn's. There's a few of these in uh, in New York. I like them. Pretty good, solid go-to. And I'm talking to this person. Ba- I'm basically a regular at this place. So they so they know me, whatever. So I'm talking to this girl, to this woman. And she's like, oh, yeah. She, says, uh, there's, she knows they play hockey. And she's like, oh, yeah, I think there's a Ranger game going on tonight. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm actually. And I'd like go on and say how like I'm just a terrible fan of hockey. And I, I play a lot, but I barely watch any at this point. Hmm. And she's like, yeah, that's like watching, uh, you know, these shows about hoarders and you find out they're a janitor. And I was like, yeah, it'd be like if you were a vegetarian. And she said, actually, I'm a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> 
how do you think how do you how do you square that away like if someone's a vegan working at a barbecue place like 95 percent of their menu is meat yeah gotta watch that stuff being sliced up all day i mean it depends on why she's a vegan though right because i would argue there's people who are vegan for different reasons like i mostly eat a plant-based diet for health not to save the animals right so like there's ethical veganism that is i don't want to harm life for my own sustenance and that those are the people that won't buy leather right they don't you know they won't use any animal products even if it's just for basic you know shoes those types of things you know bags handbags whatever um and there's people who do it for health so there's a good chance that she was a vegan for health and didn't actually have any real attachment to the animals being killed at her at her workplace so yeah they're probably answering well, i mean it. she can she kind of gave me this explanation and it, it honestly i didn't really understand was it something it. similar That's, or was it this is a job no. i need to eat to live I, I need to live so i need to buy things and animals already dead can't bring it back now so no she kind of she kind of just she didn't really answer the question very clearly or just didn't really understand what she was saying there's uh there's a whole <laughs> matter of factors there uh there wasn't really the ethical thing she didn't really explain that part so i don't know if it was a health thing either she's like well you know something something i was like okay I'll try to get some more closure on that uh, to be continued, <laughs> or I'll just forget about it, and we'll just leave this and never talk about it again. Yeah. Um, all right. Two stories to run through here. And actually, speaking of vegans, I want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Craig sent this to me. I saw this popping up all over my feed because now <coughs> Google knows how to target correctly and basically feed me a ton of stories about maniacs yeah. on planes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting so many plane stories. But I want to talk about this. Usually I give you a choice of order. We only got two things. I only got two stories here. One of them you provided. We'll do that second. Here we go. Business class passenger insulted by in-flight vegan meal, a banana. Now, did you read the article? I didn't. I just read the headline of, and I've seen this on other news sources of, yeah, I believe this is a Japanese airline is what I remember. That's right. I'm reading from the New York Post, again, for brevity and the occasional pun. They're not bananas about this measly meal option. That's (laughs) This is is why we read the Post. A passenger on board a Japan Airlines flight was outraged when he received a single banana as his vegan meal and a pair of chopsticks to eat it with. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Chari was traveling from Jakarta, Indonesia to Tokyo when he ordered the vegan meal for a, for the seven-hour flight. Chari reported his disappointing meal on the air travel forum Flyer Talk, saying he had thought it was a pre-breakfast snack, not the entire meal. <laughs> Quote, Before takeoff today, my flight attendant confirmed that I ordered VGML, vegan meal, I guess, and yep. that my breakfast was a banana. By which I mistakenly assumed she meant that breakfast included a banana, end quote. Sorry, wrote on February 21st. Quote, when she served the banana after takeoff, I thought it was just an underwhelming appetizer, but it was in fact the entire meal. Chari then told a flight attendant he was frankly quite shocked to learn that the banana was a catered meal. Quote, it's a bit insulting to be served a single banana while others are given a far more substantial and flavorful meal, end quote, he told Insider. Quote, it seems especially important given given the growth in the number of vegans and vegetarians, end quote. Yes, there were two meal services during the flight, a snack and a light refreshment and lunch. 
However, the much heartier snack options for non-vegan was seared tuna with a Moroccan eggplant salad, cheese with orange with orange salsa and a baguette, according to the airline's menu. Although Chari admitted it was a really good banana, in fact, one of the best he'd eaten recently, there the confused go. passenger was still appalled it was classified as an entire meal. Quote, it still seems more appropriate as a snack. Is catering out of Socarno, Hada International Airport, typically this underwhelming, end quote. However, quote, it was cute of the crew to serve the banana with chopsticks, though, and quote, he quipped. Sounds like he's been a pretty good sport about this. Chari described his subsequent vegan lunch as barely seasoned spaghetti and said, although there are other meals with Japan, airlines have also had, have also bad in the past, have also been, I think it's missing a word there, nothing has been quite as insubstantial as the single banana. The non-vegan lunch option included included grilled beef tenderloin, a cheese omelet, ratatouille, grilled salmon, and chicken sausage. Honestly, the non-vegan stuff sounds pretty good in uh, Japan yeah. Airlines first class, and that's why yeah. and that's why he's complaining because he's like, well, wait a minute, why couldn't why couldn't my, I got a banana and this dude got a ratatouille? <laughs> yeah, the airline website shows a vegetarian vegan meal option with a photo showing halal sorbet, a baguette, a dish with rice, and multiple vegetable-based looking bowls. Chari and Japan Airlines did not immediately respond to the post's request for comment. However, a rep for the airline told Insider, "Quote: We apologize for not being able to meet expectations." End quote. What do you think? Now, I would argue, and not argue, I would sort of confirm that the times that I've had the vegan meal service on any airline, it's pretty gross. I think it's pretty bad. What's um, it been? It's been bad. Like they give you like a lot of, at least in Air New Zealand, you get a lot of, and that's the thing, right? Like I ordered a vegetarian meal, and they're like, okay, well, we're just gonna give you a vegan meal because it's safe. You're like, fine. And it's like for breakfast, for example, right? They'll give you like this yogurt that tastes like glue. Bad. Tastes like Elmer's. Why don't they give you like oatmeal? It's gross. And that's my point. I'm like, there's other things you can serve other than like this glue yogurt and some really pretty disgusting fruit. And then I look over and it's like it's an omelet. And I'm like, I can eat an omelet. Like, why can't I get that? So like I'm I'm not surprised by this. Um, but like at the same time, a banana is not like that's pretty. (laughs) That's pretty just like this is easy. Like you couldn't have given him a banana and some other stuff. Um, So I'm not surprised by that. I would say of all the progressive places, airlines, when it comes to vegan food is probably one of the last places to change just because it's, you know, how many people on a flight would you guess that take a a, a regular Japan air flight order the vegan service? Probably like 1%. Yeah. I mean, even if it's up to, let's say 5%, what, what does that become? That's pretty low. So like, you're not going to come up with this full vegan menu unless you, as an airline go, Hey, we're going to serve more vegan options or more meatless options to all of our customers. And you kind of go, Hey, you have a meatless option or a meat option. It's no longer a specific thing that you have to mark down. Right? Like that's the way to do it. Basically make, cause I think there's plenty of people who eat meat. If you gave them the option between maybe like a beef or pork and a meatless option, I would argue a lot of people would choose the meatless option these days, right? Because, like, if it's good, it doesn't really matter if it has meat in it. I'd say that percentage of people is shrinking who are like, well, I'm not going to eat it. If there's no meat in it, I'm not going to eat it. Versus, like, well, if it's good, I'll eat it. Like, I'll eat anything if it's good. Um, I think there's more people who eat plenty of meatless Mondays and all that type of stuff. And as long as the food is good, they don't care. And I think that's where the yep. airline needs to get to, but they're not there yet because it's much easier just to get some, you know, salt some beef and be done. They gotta, they gotta lean into falafel. Falafel is the ultimate it's good. vegan food. It is good. 
It's good and it's easy it's and it's something that you would order as someone who eats meat, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. So good falafel's, falafel's great. great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy enough. You know, you could freeze a bunch of that shit, heat it up, you're done. Falafel. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, and just like the same way that they don't serve a lot of fish on airlines either, like for good reason, right? Because fish has a, a pretty strong odor at times. It can if it's cooked poorly. And, but at the same time, I'd argue there's a lot of people that don't eat beef or pork, right? And even for religious reasons, right? There's a lot of people that don't eat pork. So your options are kind of limited on airlines. So it's hard to cater to everyone's dietary needs. And so quite honestly, I think any vegan that that's like been vegan for a while is going to know you eat beforehand, eat before you get on the plane and bring your own snacks. And if they happen to serve something good, cool. If they don't, you're still prepared. I'd argue most vegans know, do that anyways, right? Before you go out somewhere unknown, you make sure to eat beforehand. So that way you're not, you know, you're not disappointed or left hungry when the options that they give you aren't any good. Here's, here's the only counterpoint I would make in this scenario, because this is first. And when you're in first class, you know, first of all, you're not catering to as many people. Yes. But you also plan for excess. Like the the way it works in first class is like you can get whatever you want and as much as you want of yeah. that, of whatever you want. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's like you're sitting in a buffet, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, and, they bring uh, all sorts of stuff and they kind of ask you as well. Like, I mean, that's that's the tricky part. Like, yeah, that's I agree with you there. If it's first class and most likely if it's first class, they get the passenger list beforehand. So I'm surprised that they don't like there's not a bit more of a robust fill out this system because you're in first class to make sure that we get you exactly what you need, because there's a good chance you paid X amount multiples for this flight that you should you know, we want you to have the best service and the best experience that you possibly could have. Yeah, like I, I sympathize with them because, you know, Char, yeah. I think I'm signing with Chari for sure. Obviously, I think I think yeah, most sure. people would. And that's why the story gets legs. But yeah, because a banana, you know, just otherwise, nothing, it's, right? yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like on the coach side, I I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, like, you know, set your expectations. If you're a vegan yeah. going on there and you're flying a coach that know that, you know, even even the meat is not real, like all that shit is going to be terrible across the yeah. board. Like if someone if I was in coach and I ordered a vegan meal and someone gave me a banana, I'd be like, oh, thank God. Real <laughs> fruit. you know and especially on a plane as well where they give you where they give you melon and melon is the worst fruit like it just is (laughs) and you're just well hang on a second no what's the worst fruit then it's melon to me Uh, and and when i say melon i don't mean watermelon i don't mean watermelon that's what i was saying i just mean melon right when someone just like hey we're gonna give you a melon right Mm -hmm. it's most likely what like either a honeydew or a cantaloupe cantaloupe, honeydew yeah and they're both gross They're gross. Good honeydew. Pretty good. Yeah, it's not like melon is the worst fruit that someone. That's a fruit well, that, that says. Okay, that so that's that's so the that's fruit that says why... I don't care about you. Like grapes. Oh my oranges, god! Wow. Apple slices. All better. Now I need to. I need to say something here. My my family like they go all out on melon. So are you saying that they don't care about? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I think melons oh, are wow. one of okay. those fruits. Shit. Melons are one of those fruits that means I don't really care about you. Strawberries, kiwi fruit, raspberries, blueberries—all better fruits. They're all better fruits. The melon is the cop just... out, unless it's a watermelon. 
Right. It's a quality swing. It's a quality swing for Megan for melons. I think the and that's the problem. Like the quality swing is so wide. But you could have bad of anything. Like the problem with raspberries, even if you have a good raspberry or a good blackberry, you still got to deal with the seeds. It's a pain in the ass to eat. I like them, but they're still annoying. Blueberries. It's tough to get offensively bad blueberries. It happens, but it's, it does happen, you know, it's but unlikely. it's hard. But yeah, I get it. Like it's the worst. It's the worst of the fruits. Really, for a melon even to mangoes, hit, papayas. It's got to like, be real good. You don't like, talk shit about mangoes. No, no. I'm saying mangoes are good. That's my point. Like go through the list mm. of fruit. Melon is not Categories. on there. If you go through the list of best tasting fruit, right? Like, what's your favorite? If you were to name a fruit, what's your favorite fruit? I have mine. Mine's easy. Yeah, it's blueberry. That's the correct answer. It's pineapple. Oh, Jesus. It's I mean, fine. we ate that pineapple great. with our hands and it was delicious. I mean, we ate so uh, yeah, much of right, it that, right. our, okay. that our mouth started to tingle. Yes. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that, that shit was definitely chewing away a layer of our, uh, of our lips. Oh, that pineapple's delicious. It's by far the best fruit. It just is. But again, but my point is, yes, you can argue that. And I would be okay with you arguing that. But go through all of the best fruit. Plums, cherries, mangoes, papayas, peaches, bananas, apples. Like, melon is nowhere near this. Melon is, it is, like, you cannot argue with this with me. It's the last of all the fruits. So you won't. So you won't have... So this is why you don't want to get that $200 melon in Japan. Yeah, and it's just not, because how good is it going to be? It's a melon. I don't know. It's $200. Which doesn't, It's it's got to be gross. It's, it's like melons are not good. If you give me a melon, I'm assuming that you don't care about me. I'll put, okay. Just but, putting it so out there. Go, if you give me okay, a melon, so you don't care I'm about gonna, me. I'm not going to give it to you, but I will. I would like to, you know, we can go have these on. One. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> paying 200. I wouldn't pay 50 cents for a melon. The melon is the last on my list. Melons are gross. They just are. I might look if, if the yen remains as weak as, as it is, and it gets weaker by the time we get out there, I might have to try this melon just to. Just At to least try it. to like, see if they can give you a slice of it first. Cause you're eating it and be like, oh yeah, it tastes like every other melon I've ever had. Melons are gross. <laughs> it might change your mind. Melons are gross. And that's why, like, why do you think there's never a melon-flavored candy? There's watermelon-flavored candy. But just, like, pure melon, like, honeydew candy, sounds disgusting. Oh, yeah. Sounds awful. <laughs> watermelon candy? Go, okay, watermelon candy. I can I can dig that. Honestly, but- this is this is probably the best point you've made yet. In defense, <laughs> in defense of, in defense of the worst fruit. Yeah, I think this is the best thing you've said so far, which is that there is no cantaloupe candy. There's not. There's not. <laughs> There's candy weird. of all the other fruit. All the other fruit has candy. Honeydew candy sounds disgusting. <laughs> it sounds super gross. Even bananas, ha- and I would argue banana candy is always the least. Like if you get a, like a banana now and later, yeah, like the runts, like runts, pretty, yeah, like they're pretty gross, right? Like just I, yeah. again, I, I'm I like yeah, bananas, but like, I'm gonna choose that last of the candies. But you can't even find a melon candy. <laughs> you can't. You can find orange, mango, strawberry, pineapple, watermelon, apple, kiwi fruit, cherry, dragon fruit, papaya. All of them have candies. Melon does not. <laughs> So I'm right on this. You know what? I'm Fair right enough. But yeah, you're right. I'll admit <laughs> it. You are right. Anyway, airlines stepping up for the vegans. <laughs> That's what we're yeah. trying to say. And stop giving them melons. 
It's at least give them melons. a yeah. At least get a, a, a at least get a rounded fruit selection. Melons ain't get it, those man. fruit salads. What do you think of the um, of like those fruit cocktail cups? Or those when you oh, were those a kid? were classic back in the day. There's a shit I don't ton know. of melon. Is there in fruit cocktail? And then there was like one piece. Of, oh no, it was a lot of pear. Yeah, yeah, pear. fruit cocktail is a lot of pear. But I don't yeah. think there's a lot there of melon in fruit one, cocktail. There was one cherry, one piece of cherry. Yeah, there's always one. So I'm, I'm looking at the cup now. Oh, God, yeah, this is the, what is it, the Del Monte? The yeah. Del Monte mixed fruit It's either Dole, Dole or Del Monte. They were both, yeah, I think it's D-E-L, Del Monte. But does it tell you what's in there? So, okay, fruit. Peaches, pears, pineapple. White mm-hmm. grape juice. Oh, peach is peaches. I was thinking peaches. Yeah, peaches, pears, pineapple. White grapefruit. Uh, a bunch of acid to preserve color, lemon juice concentrate, and natural flavor. The old chestnut of natural flavor. So what is the red thing, then? What is that? It's a cherry. It is a cherry, yeah. It's not on this list, though. No, it's huh. a surprise. <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> melon does. doesn't go into a fruit cocktail. I'm telling you, no. melons are gross, man. Like, they're not in... <laughs> Melons are not in fruit cocktail. Like, even look up recipes for melons. Like, go for Greg, if Greg's listening to this in the shower, has Greg ever yeah. made a mixed drink with a melon? Hey, Greg, when you're done with the shower, tell us, uh, tell us if you ever made a melon mixed drink. I'm sure there's melon. Um, I'm sure there's watermelon. There's melon booze, like melon, um, melon liquor. Is there? Yeah, I don't think there is. There's a fruit. There's melon Midori. Oh, there's that's it. That's the only one. But it's like ambiguous. It just says melon. It doesn't specify which one. Oh, God, this can't be good. Now I have to try this, but it can't be good. Yeah. Yeah, well, this can't be good. I don't think Greg's making a drink with a with a with a Midori. This shit looks radioactive. It does. <laughs> it does. It's the it's the greenest looking thing I've seen all day. This is the second time I've said a drink looks radioactive. And the first time I said something looked radioactive today, I was talking about a uh, an Applebee's an Applebee's cocktail picture. Yeah, I'm looking for melon recipes. Like there is like you ball a melon. <laughs> like that's the recipe. You get a scooper and you make a melon ball. <laughs> like, right? Like what other fruit do you like the only thing that's there is like, what's the recipe for a melon? Turn it into a ball <laughs> and put it in a bowl. Like Oh man. All Melons right. are gross, man. They're just gross. So okay, got it. Fair enough. Well, I got the title of this episode at least. That's pretty good. Glad we got there. Um. All right. Next story. Let's talk about this cruise ship thing. Yes. You want to read it? You want me to read it? Uh, if I I lost it, so let me find it. So you should read it because I don't have it up anymore. I was looking at fruit. Right, here we go. So let's read it from CNN Travel. So, uh, you can now live on a cruise ship for thirty thousand dollars per year. So. Have you ever dreamed of giving it all up, leaving it all behind, and hitting the road to escape all your responsibilities? Let's stop there. Have you? Have yeah, you? absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I live in New Zealand. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> ah, who needs all, right. all this stuff? Let's move down here. Let's see what happens. Now look at you. You're engaged. Now, now, I, I guess the real question well. <laughs> is for you. I would ask this question to you more than me, because I think most people would be like, yeah, he's kind of already done that a couple of times. But you? Have you ever dreamed about it? Yeah, I think about that shit all the time. <laughs> so, so where would you go? Where would you go? The woods. The woods. I just disappeared. Really? You'd go to the woods? I did not have no. that at all. No, I would not go to the woods. I would not go to the woods. I don't know where I'd um, Yeah, I just don't know where. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in where we should, I kind of want to talk this out because for me, I think, look, I, I could do woods, kind of live in the woods now. I could, um, I, I, I could do tropical island as well. I think desert would maybe be a little less of my option, like going to the middle of the desert in a cabin be a little weird hmm. but i think i would choose if i had to choose i would choose tropical island like get a shack somewhere in like fiji or vanuatu or one of these pacific islands and just like build a bar was wasn't that what a bond movie wasn't he in jamaica in one of these bond movies in the last yeah one? that that's that well it happened right? was, was it jamaica actually. no it, well it happened in he? um in Skyfall, he gets shot and then he kind of just chills in a um, in another thing. But yeah, I guess this happens again in No Time to Die. He does this right. twice. Daniel Craig always like gets out there and goes to these island paradises. Which yeah, he was like, in Jamaica. In, uh, That's right. He was in Port Antonio. Like yeah, like like type in No Time to Die Jamaica and look at this house he lives in. Oh, this I remember what it I want vividly. Yeah, yeah. This but this to also, me is how you would escape to the middle of nowhere. Skyfall Island, um, like where it because he also when he gets shot and they think he's dead in Skyfall, he's in another island. That's where he's like eating the he takes the shot and there's a scorpion on his uh, on his hat. Yeah, I'm watching the behind the scenes for this house. And this is this to me is where you escape to if you want to live in the middle of nowhere. This house is awesome. It's a pretty dope house. It's completely open. It's all water frame. I'd argue you can do this in New Zealand fairly. I mean, he's in short, short spear fishing. Like, that's what you want. <laughs> like, this is that. That's it. So for me, this is easy. This is easy. Yes. But for you, I wonder if you're able. I think knowing you well enough, I don't think you could sit in the middle of nowhere. I think you would. No. You do it for a week. And then you'd be like, this is super. That's not that's not escaping at all, though. That's you being no, in a city. How? No, I'd be because well, you'd escape to uh, you'd leave everything behind. You go to a new city and you just kind of you just starts it starts everything over. That's how it would work. So where would you go then? What city are you going to? Well, that's the problem, right? Like, I mean, if you sort went of. internationally. Yeah, if I went internationally, it would be hard because everybody always speaks different languages. But that's part it's of like, like getting away from the middle of nowhere, right? You kind of learn the language on your yeah. own. No one knows who you are. It's like, would you go to Japan? Maybe. I don't know if I could do Japan. Like, it definitely. It's a question of like how how long are you away from this? And if that's the idea, I don't know. I could do Japan. I'd, I'd want to do. Uh, you know, I've thought about doing Japan for a long longer period of time, but it was never the dream was never like doing it for more than like a year or two. I feel like it would be too much at the end of that. Well, now you can do this cruise ship for, for some years. Would you do that? Yeah. Cause well, then you get a chance the to stop. Well, let, me, let me get into read the, the details. details. Read the details. But either way, I, the answer to that well, question, cause before if, you start, I, w- I want to see if I can convince you to do this. So continue. Okay. But before, um, but yeah, before people start worrying, I'm not really going to do that. And the, the thought of doing it, I think everybody has that thought where it's like, well, you what can if tell just, them that you're going to do it though. Like you can just be like, Hey, go. I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone for three years. Don't go. contact me. All right. So it sounds good, doesn't it? But it also sounds expensive. Oh man. Excuse me. That was a, uh, kind of a, a burp just threw it, came out of nowhere, but it also sounds expensive or at least it did. It did sound expensive until now because now a cruise company is launching a three year 130,000 mile escape your daily life cruise for a relatively affordable $30,000 per person per year. It's pretty good. Life, Yeah. 
Life at Sea Cruises has opened bookings for its three-year voyage on the MV Gemini, which sets sail from Istanbul on November 1st. Istanbul would be a pretty cool city. I want to go there. That, that's the time there. The airport's yeah. nice. Yes, November 1st, 2023. So you have eight months to get your passport, vaccinations, and remote working abilities in order. The company is promising to tick off 375 ports around the world, visiting 135 countries and all seven continents. I don't think I need you to convince me to do this. I'd just do this. Why not? That sounds pretty dope. You should do it. Let's do it. I'll do it with you. Let's do it. Hang on. Let's keep going. I have to convince my my wife in five months to do it with me, but I think I can do that. She's listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good. Let me know how that goes. Why don't you try to do that over the next uh, week? And you I can will. Tell us how that goes. As soon as this podcast ends, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna go convince her before she listens. Cover, to this. All right. We said that taking iconic sites, taking iconic sites from Rio de Janeiro's Christ, Christ the Redeemer statue, and India's Taj Mahal to Mexico's Chichen Itza, the pyramids of Giza, Machu Picchu, and the Great Wall of China. It even slots in trips to 103 tropical islands. Of those, 370, uh, 375 ports, 208 will be overnight stops, giving you extra time in the destination. <coughs> the company is a spinoff of Marae Cruises, which currently has the MV Gemini cruising around Turkey and Greece. The company has a 30-year history in the cruise industry. The MV Gemini will be overhauled for the voyage. It has 400 cabins with rooms for up to 1,074 passengers. And because of the nature of the voyage, as well as traditional cruise ship amenities, restaurants, and entertainment, the Gemini will also be kitted out with remote working facilities. The company promises a full-scale business center complete with meeting rooms, 14 offices, a business library, and a lounge, presumably for your mid-shift coffee breaks. Access is free. There will also be a round-the-clock hospital with free medical visits. Oh, shit. Pretty good. Some people, Pretty that, that could be worth it better. alone. For some, pe- for some people in the States, that could be worth yeah. it alone. Because like $30,000 a year, that's better than some medical <laughs> than some uh, Pretty, health pretty good. The company also floats the possibility of additional tax benefits when working as an international resident aboard the ship. Oh, yeah. That's true. That is a thing. Anyway, yeah. Professionals need con- connect. Quote. Professionals need connectivity, the right amenities, and the functionality to perform their jobs. And quote, is that Mikhail? Mikhail? Yes, that's Mikhail. Mikhail Peterson. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mikhail <laughs> Peterson, Life at Sea Cruises managing director, said in a statement, quote, there is no other cruise that offers this sort of flexibility to their customers. End quote. Cabins run the gamut from 13 square feet virtual inside state. Dude, you can't live there for three years. You can't. You can't <laughs> live in a in like a. You can't live in a room with no windows for. But th- you're in a for cruise ship. You just need to three sleep years. There. But you just need to sleep yeah. there. Right. You're on a oh, cruise man. ship. So everywhere else, you're sitting on the deck. You're going swimming. Uh, you're at the like, right. and, or, or you're off. You're off the boat, right? Because they stop at well, ports. Those, so those start at twenty nine. Those start at three thirty thousand dollars per year, twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars per person per year, coming out at one hundred seventy nine thousand nine hundred ninety four for a three year trip for two people. Two balcony suites, which are double the size and go up to one hundred nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine per person. Wow. Okay, that that blows up. Okay, but the cheapest outdoor cabin costs. Three thirty six thousand nine hundred ninety nine per person. Yeah, you spend the extra seven thousand dollars. 
to have. Yeah, at that point, if you're spending that much, you spend the extra. Yes. You spend the extra seven. Yeah, absolutely. For that yeah, much, totally. and you have to pay for three years. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, passengers must sign up for all three years. So that's so the, the catch, company is right. So you so can't. The company if, is, you get, yeah. if you get, there's a few downsides this that I do want to talk about, but that's that's a big one of. It all sounds great. You get through year one and you go, oh, man, this ain't for me. I did it for a year. And like you said, I got cap. I'm in a 13 square feet room. I'm, you know, I'm getting jitters. I realize I get seasick. I don't want to be on this boat anymore. And they're like, paid for three years, buddy. You're stuck. Yeah, you're stuck. Look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> passengers must sign up for all three years, though the company is launching a matchmaking scheme where passengers will be allowed to share. Why is it in quotes? A cabin with someone else <laughs> dipping in and out of the itinerary. That's cool. For though. instance, that's pretty cool. For instance, for instance, two couples could buy one cabin for the entire trip and then divide up the travel between. So them. you could do six months on, six months off over three years with somebody else. Oh, I see. It's pretty Got good, it. right? Okay, so you split the cost yeah. for two people, and you do six months, six months on, six months off. Mm-hmm. Single travelers get a discount of fifteen percent of the double Look occupancy this. rate. That's you. A minimum down payment of $45,000 is required. Beyond the business center, there will be plenty to keep you busy. A sun deck and swimming pool, wellness center, auditorium, and multiple dining options, though the full details have yet to be revealed. Onboard instructors will be on hand to teach dance and music, and there will even be singles mixers for those traveling alone. Want to shape up first? There will be a gym and salon on board, too. That's interesting. Well, okay. So if you're single mixers, you're, you're single. You're out there. You're on this boat. You're, you're working out every day at the boat. Stuff, now, now the other, the other stuff, downside stuff of this go, stuff goes south with this yes. lady, and now you gotta be on this boat with them. <laughs> now, now the other downside of this is the number of crypto bros on this boat is going to be really high. <laughs> mm, you think so? Like, what do you do for a job? And they're going to sell you on this scheme that you're going to be like, oh, that's why you're on a boat in international waters. <laughs> Mm. Just, yeah, just that's FYI. Like, that's fair. another I wasn't downside. Even thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Another downside. The clientele of this boat are going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's going gonna, gonna to be them and a bunch of retired people who have like yes. a lot of <laughs> It's going to be the middle. It's a bunch of 30 yeah. year old bros and a bunch of retired people. Yeah. That's, that's the include, majority clientele. Go for it. Sorry. Here we go. Highlights include Christmas in Brazil and New Year in Argentina. The ship will loop all the way around South America hopping south to Antarctica, island hop around the Caribbean and take in both coasts of Central America, then go up the west coast of North America, crossing over to Hawaii. Stops in Asia include Japan, 12 stops, South Korea, including Jeju Island, and China. It also takes in most of the classic Southeast Asia destinations from Bali, Da Nang in Vietnam, and the Cambodian coast of Bangkok, Singapore, and Kuala Lumpur. So you hit everything. Yeah, it'll loop Australia, New Zealand, an island hop through the South Pacific, journey around India and Sri Lanka, then visit the Maldives and Seychelles before crossing west to Africa, hitting the continent at Zanzibar, and then looping down to Cape Town and up the west coast of Africa, with quick dips west to south to islands including St. Helena, the Canaries, and Madeira. It also sails around the Mediterranean and Northern Europe. It's they could have just said it sails around the globe. All Everybody this in the span of, of three. Is this three years? Or this is like one year is that? I think and it's, then it does maybe that it's one years. year and then it loops it maybe. Maybe it does it three times. 
Okay. Just one word of warning. You need to just, you need not just a cruise ship, but a time machine to visit some of the stops listed on its 13 wonders of the world list. What? Which includes places like the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, and the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, all of which were destroyed in antiquity. However, the cruise also includes free high-speed Wi-Fi, which should make up of which should make up for any disappointment. Cruises will also be able to have family and friends on board to visit for free. Oh, that's pretty nice. A long list of what's included in this trip also includes alcohol at dinner, plus soft drinks, juice, tea, and coffee all day, laundry, port fees, and housekeeping. All meals are also included. Golf simulator um, as well is on this. It's also a golf simulator. Where's that? Did I miss that? Or that's on the, the I, I clicked now? on the I clicked on the all inclusive life seat cruises. Oh, here we go. Nice. Life at Free sea access cruises. to all dining venues? Yes. Yeah. Free food? Pod embark embarkation system and storage? Yes. Free family and friends visit? Yes. So it's just to everything. How do you visit? Medical consultations, you... entertainments and performances. Like again, like, I mean, look, this also I, I would assume that there was a newspaper article when the Titanic was built that read similar to this. <laughs> <laughs> Right, just like come join this amazing oh, yeah. journey across the earth, and someone's like, "Man, this is yeah. a lifetime. This is, you know, for the cost, it's not so bad. We get to travel this at what speed? That's amazing." And then the Titanic happened. So while it's great, and it sounds like you know what, if you're in between doing stuff, thirty grand a year, you can't rent in most cities for thirty grand a year. Yeah, I had a similar thought, which is like if you. Well, let's just do the math. Calculator. So, 30, like, you can't rent in New York thousand, City for thirty grand a year. Uh, not most. Well, I mean, a studio for twenty five hundred a month. Yeah, you can do that. But it doesn't include all this shit. No, it doesn't. It doesn't include food. So that's just the rent, right? Like, you're not include food, not seeing travel, right? Because you get to travel to all these amazing places, even if you just get off the boat and walk around. Right? Like, that doesn't yeah. cost you any money. Like, you could easily turn this into you see the world and you eat for free on 30 grand. That's pretty good. But you need to have the money up front. And that's that's always that's, the catch, right? Yeah, that's the kicker. That's tough. That's the kicker. So, I think you should do this. You can work remotely, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can work. So, you still get paid. You don't have to pay rent because you're going to pay all this up front. You eat for free. You get to travel and see all these amazing places. Family and friends can come visit. So you could people can meet you in certain ports and come visit you. Twelve stops in Japan. Like, why would you not do this? Um. Well, you know, you're you're on a boat for for three years. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get on and off, right? Like, you could when technically leave you, it empty when they let you. When they let you. Yeah, but you could technically leave it empty and meet up at another spot, right? Let's say you legitimately oh, so you want to take a vacation. Catch it up later and be like, "Oh yeah, my my apartment, my other apartment's on a boat." Well, well they're going to give go, you a list of like it. ports, right? They're going to give you a list of like, "Hey, here's when we land in these places. This is where you can get on and off." So you very well, let's say you get to Tokyo and you want to actually travel around Japan, and you know that the last place like they're going to go to Singapore next. You go, well, "I'll do a month in Japan, then fly to Singapore and get back on the boat." Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do this. If I was a younger man, I'd do it. What do you mean if you were a younger man? Why wouldn't you do it now? Well, Alice says she's in, so maybe we will do it. 
Now, there again, for right, me, cool. the reason why I wouldn't do this is because I feel like people always die on cruise ships. And this is the perfect example oh, sure. for who done it on a cruise ship. Someone gets thrown overboard, can't find them. And the next thing you know, it becomes a murder mystery. The second thing is this video on the website with like the, the animated people is super creepy. Where's that? Is that the homepage? If you just go to life, life at life at com, it looks super creepy. Oh, I'm there. Yeah. 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 Oh, I see this 3d. Yeah. It's creepy. So look, it's one of those things that seems too good to be true. And I also worry about the clientele that's going to be on here. So it all seems great until, you know, it's a bunch of bros trying to sell you on why you should buy this, the, you know, the tokenomics of this coin, because it's going to make you a billionaire. And it it's going to be a bunch of old people talking to you about, you know, how they're retired and how they own a million homes. And this is just their fun way to live out their life um, versus like people that will leave you alone. And like you said, there's a lot of there could be a lot of drama on this ship. And quite frankly, I've been in a been on a cruise ship before. Yeah, like you, it is a little claustrophobic, not a lot of space. So I'm with you there. So it seems great. And I might do it. So there's that. <laughs> Cool. So I've got to November. Like I've got my passport. Like yeah, they don't need right? 3D modeled people here. That, creepy. That's it's creepy. It's too much. It's very creepy. Like I can imagine people on this thing. You don't need to put in Sims in this video. It's too wow, much. the itinerary is an Excel file. It's literally well, just an good. Excel can... file. So if you want to know, so let's see. Let's see if I can give you some dates of when they're going to be. So yeah, they November 1st in Istanbul. And then it's kind of like you get a couple of days at sea, then Spain for a day, then a couple, then a week at sea, then Miami for two days, San Juan for two days, Rio de Janeiro for three days. So you get like pretty significant stops. How much of the year? Off. How much of the year are you on? Are you on the sea? That's what I want. Uh, if I if I was only, I should send this to you so that way you can. You're probably a bit more of an Excel person than I am. Um, there's probably a way of sorting this so you can actually see. When it's a I'm lot of days, at page. where do you see the there's a download? The it's download itinerary and it downloads an, an XLXS file. Okay, uh, I'm trying to find this thing. I can't, so, I mean, you do I spend a lot it. of days on the ground though, like you know, you're in place, right, but if you days. say, let's say, yeah, but let's say you're on the sea for like, yeah, but after you're at the sea for a week, so let's say you're on the sea for like, but that's only the first per, time for though. like. For sixty six percent, like for two thirds, that means you're on the sea for like over two hundred days a year. I don't think that you're is... on the sea for two thirds. To be honest with you, I think it's less. But than you just that. said you travel. List. You travel for. All right, here we go. Okay. No, that th- that's just the first one. Like the first one is the longest time you're at sea. Otherwise, like you're at sea for a day, and then you're in Egypt, Israel, Cyprus for like a week. Mm-hmm. And then you're at sea for a day. It's like it, it starts to balance out a little bit. But in the beginning, you got one big, long sea trip. But it's not that bad, though. Like, if you go through the itinerary, it's actually better than you think it is, surprisingly. Uh, Okay, here. So let's see here. Okay, so I know how to do this. So I basically, I'm going to... Sort it for me. So I could... Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what you got to do. I just got to find the damn thing with the filter thing. Sort and filter, filter, port, sort A to Z. So then we're going to go there. Look at you producing this this discussion. (laughs) And then I'm just going to highlight all the sea days. Oh, wait a minute. Kind of jumped too far. This did not work exactly as I was hoping. Okay, here we go. C. Uh, no, that can't be true. Oh, this is the end. This is the three years. Oh, but still three. Yeah. This, How long are you at C for three for three years? So over. Th- so basically a hundred days a year because it's three hundred twenty-two days total at C. That's not. So, even, that's a third, right? Less than a third. Yeah, yeah. All right. So it's better than I thought. I'm good. just saying. Eh, better than I thought. It's pretty good. Better than I thought. 
pretty good. Yeah, but some of these you only hit once a year. So Singapore is here, for example, and you're there from like October, like from October 27th, 2025 to November 2nd, 2025. But right. then there, you don't go to Singapore again. Right. So there's okay. some of these blocks so, so that you're, you're right. there for longer yeah. times. So. so, yeah, you're right. You don't actually like you're in the U.S. for a long time. You're in the U.S. from basically June through July. Yeah. Almost to August. Because you spend a lot of time in Alaska, which is cool. You get an Alaskan cruise. There's some already. long sea days there, like traveling from the States as you go to like Hawaii from LA. Mm-hmm. But then after that, like in Japan, like the Japan itinerary is pretty awesome. You're in Tokyo for like a week. It's five days in yep. Tokyo. And then yep. you're in Kobe, and then you're in Naha. Like that's a pretty good itinerary. Then you go to Taipei. Then you go to South Korea. And you're only at sea for like five days out of all those places I just listed. Yeah. Again, that's this is pretty. It's pretty good. I don't think you're in New Zealand for a long time, right? Like for example, if you live in a place, you're in Wellington Thursday, Friday, Saturday, April twenty 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 five. Could easily just come back and you know swap out some stuff, hang out because it's just going to be docked at sea. So you go to Auckland, yeah. you go to Wellington, Christchurch, Dunedin, Bluff, Milford Sound for two days, which is awesome. And then you go over to Australia, you go to you go to Tasmania for two days, which is two days too long. You go to Melbourne, you go to Adelaide, wow. you go to Perth. Wow. That's right. That's shots right. Fire, I threw some, shots I threw fired some at Tasmania. Fired what, at Tasmania. What, what did Tasmania ever do to you? Tasmania Holy shit. is the Tasmania is the Mississippi of Australia. Oh shit. <laughs> God damn. God damn. Perth for three days. And then you. Hey, like, God, I got to. Yeah. I got to verify this with. Uh, Are you? Some, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tasmania. So you're saying Tas, Tasmania. I don't even know how to spell it. I guess I got it close. Or, enough. you know, it might even Tasmania. be the Florida of, of, of Australia. It's the Mississippi or Florida. I'm putting in parentheses. Or Florida of Australia. Of Australia. Does any Australians so listen to this? They know I'm right. True or false. Them. All right. Well, I'm just asking you. Type in this in the chat verify. GPT to see if it writes type out an essay. Chat GPT. Kids and living in DC. He doesn't know anymore. That's right. I said it. That's how it goes sometimes. All right. Look, people change after having kids. All right. Brittany can't eat spicy foods anymore. Yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens. I don't know what to tell you. As as I told someone, and I'm going to say something that's going to be real controversial. I probably shouldn't say it, so I'm going to say it anyways. I'm pretty sure that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, like sometimes you watch TV. Has this happened to you as you started getting older? And you watch watch something on TV, and someone's like, like, hey, this 35-year-old, and you look at them, and you go... That's an old 35. Like I'm 37. Oh yeah. oh yeah. That looks that looks like an old or you look at 35 like back in the 80s and they look like they're in their 50s, right? Mm-hmm. I'm convinced children steal your youth from you. <laughs> oh shit. It's like if you have kids when you're in your tw- when you when you're like 20, you look real old by the time you get into your mid 30s. And people back then just had kids younger, right? People had kids younger in the 50s, the 60s. And they look real old when they're you're like, that person can't be my age. I don't look, or, or you start wondering, do I look that old? Because maybe you do. Maybe you just don't realize it, right? You feel like you're 18. 
until you're probably about 70. And even then, I'd argue there's some 70 years ago. I feel better now than I did at 21. But if you look at them, I just feel like when you have children, they take a bit of your youth from you. And I, I would argue that's probably the way it should be, right? Like they well, are. It's, I think it's a matter of stress. I think that. Oh, and not sleeping, right? Because you just stop yep. sleeping, uh-huh. apparently, right? There are all these things yep. that happen when you have children. So I, I believe that, yeah, things change because the, your kids start stealing stuff from you. Not not only do they start taking your money, they start taking your youth from you too. They take they take they're taking your life force. Absolutely, they're taking your life force, and then eventually they just suck you dry. And the next thing you know, same thing happens to them, right? Like it's just you know, it's the cycle of being a human if you decide yeah. to have children. So yeah, I'm not like I we, if we were watching some, we were watching a YouTube video about like the cheapest people, right? People who like do like extreme couponing. Or uh-huh. people who like try to save money, and like there's some nasty people out here. This show seems fake, but it also seems like, for example, there's a, there's a there's a there's a flight attendant, right? And she's like, I don't buy nuts. I take the half eaten nuts from the from the passengers because I can't take the unopened ones, and I store those after every flight, and then I have mixed nuts. It's gross, right? It's absolutely like the most disgusting thing you've ever heard, right? It's disgusting. Yeah, god damn it. No. And and it's like, and again, but then you look at that and it's go, well, that's, you know, but then like the thing comes up and it's like 34 year old. And I'm like, oh no, she looks like she's 40, like she's 45, 50 years old. But then it's also a video from like 2007. And like she's like, oh, she's got teenage kids. And it's like, well, yeah, 35, if you got teenage kids, you're going to look a little older. That's just the, that's how life works. So anyway, that's my controversial take for the day. I'm sure someone's going to be extremely upset at me. Didn't mean any harm by it. Just, I mean, look, uh, look, there's uh look here. Here's what I'll, I I always like thinking. This is the best example of that. Not the kids thing, but just like people age differently. Yes. That's yes. how it goes. Okay. In general, people age so, and I, and the best example of that is Osaka, the club, the cabaret club. Beyonce was like 40. And she looked great. That <laughs> other, that other girl, the Russian lady. Maybe she was like in her twenties. Life had come at her fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she could. It's like she could see the future, and she was living it every day. And and look, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, I mean, I know it's it's a stereotype that's unfair, but Asian people between a certain age, it's hard to tell how old they are because they all have great genetics. They all look pretty young. But they look yeah. great, and black don't crack. There's all these things that just you know, certain skin pigmentations and lifestyles and hereditary stuff just makes you look younger until a certain age. Yeah, and then there's me looking in the mirror, looking like an old son of a bitch. It's just getting uh, there. My uh, look at looking at that mirror, seeing those lines in my face. They, you know, it's like I, I've seen some stuff. Not, <laughs> not my youth anymore. I can't pass for uh, in the twenties anymore. You know, yeah. that guy's not asking for. Uh, for my card because he thinks I may or may not be 21. He's asking for it because he has to. That's what's going on with me. <laughs> it's the hard life. I wake up with back problems. All right. Yeah. I got issues, man. Got got issues. I need to get more, um, got to get more fiber in my diet. <laughs> got to be more regular. That's what I'm thinking about these days. <laughs> and quite frankly, you know what? A lot of people drink coffee. Gets things moving in the morning. Hmm. So why a lot of people that. after a certain age go, you know, I drink coffee. Sure, the caffeine's great, but that little extra jump start to my system in the morning before before I get off to work, just let just get everything relieves itself. It's great. Just give it a give a nice little cleaning there. Yeah. So who needs who needs who needs philium or psyllium husk when you got a nice warm 
caught of you know life warm caught a, a life sorry a nice warm pot of coffee <laughs> had a little bit of stroke there <laughs> there you go Yikes. so there you go All right yeah anyway i'd do it um i don't think i will do it but i would do it you should well if i do it then we'll uh, find a way to record the podcast because they got high-speed internet let's see they say so. You know that internet's going to be shit and unreliable. All right, everything they say is not true because the other thing is like I also see the Netflix documentary in the future here. Oh, you know like it. the Fire Festival, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be similar people. If what you're saying is true, you have a guy being like, "Yeah, I just cashed out my Bitcoin, and then all of a sudden yeah. I'm going on this cruise." And now oh, it's like, here's a but ba- yeah, yeah. here's a that's banana exactly for, what you do. I mean, you get away from the taxes of that as well, right? Because you're in international waters. Yeah, it's just like and, and international, it's like stuff gets weird, right? Here's what <laughs> I, I mean, want to know. I guess. <laughs> I want to see that? I mean like there's no rules. Like all right, here's the here's the simplest I mean, example. there's some rules. You can't, let, there's... let me finish. You can't like you can't gamble in the states, right? But there's a there's a casino on every cruise ship. And then once you hit a certain point, they're like, "Guess what? We could gamble now." You're like, "What? Why? <laughs> what do you mean?" It's like, "Well, you know, there are no rules in the lo- in the sea." You can do whatever you want. I don't know if that's we, true. Like in live, international we waters, we're gonna we're gonna start cop fighting. Like I don't think that's what's gonna happen on this. But I don't think that's true. That's how it goes. Yeah, live by the pirates' code. It's yeah, like pirates of the Caribbean. Well, out there. It's, it's well, it's maritime law, right? Maritime law. I yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah. Are there you laws in the high seas? They're not. Yeah, the high seas are not lawless. <laughs> Maritime laws, are they? Yeah, are it's they? like when you yeah when you look at a map, generally there's the authority of where one country ends and one doesn't. So I don't think there's just yeah international law. Maritime country extends outward some distance from its shoreline. Like yeah, I don't. It's not just like lawless code. Once you're in the open ocean, you can kill a man and get away with it. Like I don't think that's how it works. I mean, technically, if you get away with it, then you 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 do. I mean, that's why that, that's. That's the joke of like you don't get on everyone. Di- There's always someone who goes overboard in a cruise ship, right? Because yeah. it's international waters. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Well, let's move on. I think yes. I think it's time to move on. What do you think? Well, there's, a, there's 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 some media therapy that we have to talk about. Yeah, this to. is basically. I look. There's nothing. I don't really have much of interest to say. I, I'll say before we get into this. Um, you know, the Mandalorian is back. I don't really care. I've completely forgot that it even started i watched it you don't have to watch it but i, I will it. give them I credit it and it just blew. i it was fine i do think this this thing probably had the best space dogfighting shot that star wars has ever had oh hold on easy easy there easy give me a give me a better one easy doesn't doesn't rogue one have a dogfight in it Kinda. It happens like parallel to the. It's just like a big mass of stuff, and then they push that ship into the shield. I'd I'd argue the whole the whole Death Star tunnel run. Oh, that's a good point. But that's not a dogfight. Not really. But All right, fair, fair enough. I mean, fair I will say then it's the, it's the best one they've had in a long time. Yeah, and, fair. And I'll, okay. I'll revise. I'll revise. Yeah, that's fine. It was very yeah, cool. I'm with you. That one sequence like blew me away. I was like, oh my god, what is this doing here? The, the best. Everything space else sequence. was fine. The best space sequence ever in Star Wars is that sequence in Andor, though. Like from a visual standpoint, that was awesome. And I, I'm, I haven't even made it all the way through Andor. Andor is boring to me. I know a lot of people say that's the best series. I just can't get into it. But whatever episode, the episode five or whatever it was, 
when there's that festival going on and they fly through that psychedelic looking thing. That was awesome. That's by far oh, yeah, the best yeah. space the thing I think I've ever seen in any Star Wars movie. Where I go, well, okay, someone is actually trying to do something different here. That's really awesome. Um, yeah, but the eye that was pretty dope. It was real. And yeah, you're right. Like, okay, I get why everyone's like this is awesome because that whole thing. I don't think that was a dogfight though. That was more of like a was like no. a mission run, like escape. Right, they're escaping from the thing, but that whole thing just visually Correct. looked great. But yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. Why, like from yeah. an actual dogfight perspective, it was like Top Gun level stuff. It was cool. Yeah, I thought it was very cool. It was like they kind of they they found an interesting way to merge like Batman with Star Wars, and I thought yes. that was kind of cool. But otherwise, yeah, because it it's fun. the fear of the Mandalorian. Like you know, look, the Mandalorian when like all things considered, is not bad. I just the, it's the Baby Yoda thing for me, to be honest. Like it's I hate to say this, but like Baby Yoda is a novelty that just should have like leave it for a season where you get this create, or even leave it for two, right? You get this cute little thing, and now it's just like enough with Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda didn't do anything. He flies around his little pod and makes weird little like tries to eat random stuff. Yeah, that's like enough, baby with, Yoda. Uh, relax. He, he cuddled. He cuddled with Mando for a moment. We scene. tried to kill. He tried to eat the thing that was fixing the droid. Right. He tried to put that thing in his <laughs> mouth. And it's yeah, just like did. enough, with sure baby did. Yoda. Enough. All right. Look, we're not here to talk about Mandalorian. I just wanted to bring up that space no. because I thought it was. Pretty and look, if you're gonna watch anything with Pedro Pascal, it needs to be The Last of Us because that show is really good. You're watching it. It's really good. Like it's it's. And again, I, I'm. It's unfair how much I dislike The Walking Dead because that was the best show. That still is the best pilot episode I've ever seen in my life. For that show, there's not a single word spoken in that pilot, and it's still the greatest pilot ever on television. I think better than Lost. Absolutely better than Lost. Okay, the Walking well. Dead. If you've not watched, like, if if you're not watched The Walking Dead, you don't have to. Just watch the very first episode. That's it, uh-huh. and see why people go, okay, this is awesome. I would say The Last of Us. Now, it's different because I've played the video games, right? Like, it's some of the only games I've actually really completed in the last 10, 15 years. So, there's lots of, you know, there's some fan service there to the game. There's some new stuff. I just think it's a really well-done show, knowing that it could be like other video game shows where you're just like, okay, I should just play the game. But this is really good. The girl that plays Ellie is really, she's doing a really good job. So, yeah, if you're going to watch anything with Pedro Pascal, just watch that. All right. It's funny that you mentioned that, and yet arguably the best episode of the show so far is one that he's barely in. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, like, but again, he's in it, so oh, he's yeah. a constant. Yeah, I'm not he's a constant in it. Away from. So yeah, that's he's right. good. I mean, he's it's, he's having a moment. This is his moment, right? He's he's blowing up. He's in everything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right. Here's what we're going to talk about. The rest of this podcast, we're going to talk about RRR. Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's, yeah, uh, we that, are. yeah, we are. RRR. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> and that's it. So if you don't want to hear about this thing, which you should, if you have seen it, you're in for a treat. If you haven't seen it, you're going to understand why you need to see it. So I'm I'm going to make a claim here. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. The greatest action film of all time. No. Hmm. It's really good. I don't know. It's the if greatest it's the action, action film. Okay. Of all. Name me something that's better than this from start to finish. And I'm talking action film. Not saying greatest movie. Not saying greatest drama. Not saying greatest story. But the greatest action film. Name me something better that you watch this thing from an action standpoint. 
and had more fun than watching this movie. Mission Impossible, yeah. maybe. Those movies are great. But this thing from start to finish, I Die mean, Mission hard. Impossible Mission Impossible doesn't have one of the greatest dance numbers I've ever seen in a film. No. No. <laughs> and I would argue Die if hard. it did, Die Hard's good. But again, like I'm just total action, movement, all of it. This movie is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had to stop you because you were constantly... <laughs> messaging me while you were watching this thing. And I loved it and I felt bad asking you to do this, but I had to ask you to stop. And then I oh. still woke up to hear you say, the horse, the motorcycle. <laughs> oh my God, I love this movie. I love this movie so much. And I don't like three-hour movies. The last three-hour movie I watched was the one that I worked on. <laughs> yeah, and I think we could agree the biggest problem with this movie is that it's too short. <laughs> Now, I, now, now there is a lull in the middle of it that could have chopped out maybe 15, 20 minutes. No, no, that was necessary. But I mean, that the music necessary. in this thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got all the things that I, I mean, like, look, we, we've I think we've joked about other Bollywood films where they have like really crazy. This visual is not effects, Bollywood, guy. just to be clear. It's, it's not. not it's Bollywood. not. But but I would argue to the layman, they would look at mm-hmm. this and go, well, it's got Indian people in it's a Bollywood movie. And there's, there's a dance you. number in it. It's Bollywood. Telly. But and I'd argue we've talked about other Bollywood films, like Bollywood yeah. films in general, that have a lot of the real kind of over the top visual effects. And sure, are they like visual effects that you would see in Avatar? No, like the animals looked a little weird, but fine. But just from a, I mean, the story was good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't perfect, but it was a good story. Yeah. And just the action from this, from the time this thing started. <laughs> Actually, this is great. It's creatively done. It's over the top, but it also is, it's got like a real creative energy to it that it's not just, it's not like people are flying around on spaceships, but I mean, he picks up, he picks up a motorcycle at the end, uh-huh. but you know, that, that that's at the end. That's the peak. So yeah, dude, this, this movie, again, I, I can't say enough about this. Like I, this is, this is something that you gotta, that we should have watched this and done a podcast while we watched this. Because I had that much fun watching this movie. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Totally. It's a great movie. I think they're... Um, the choreography is great. The Of all the fight scenes. Yeah, they don't give a shit about physics. No. Nothing makes sense when it comes to the actual fights themselves. I mean, even, even the first time. So if you don't know what RRR is, it basically is about these two historic revolutionaries. Yeah, it's, it's, real a, it's a period movie, by the way. This is like a but it's all you know, but it's all fake because it's like it's what fake. if these two guys met and were and became instant best friends, and then three hours of this thing happens. And the way they show these two guys initially meeting is one of the most insane <laughs> things ever because they are like almost a mile apart from each other. One guy's on a bridge, one guy's on the ground, and there is a kid who's on this river surrounded by fire and they need to rescue him. So what do they do? The guy on the bridge like makes these hand gestures and this guy at the bottom just kind of nods in agreement. And then next thing you know, they do this crazy elaborate stunt where they like one guy's on a motorcycle, one guy's on a horse and they go and off then the they edge jump of, yeah. off this bridge it's great. to like meet at the middle. And then somebody grabbed a flag. I don't know why just to throw it. And then, uh, Oh no, they well, did. No, they there's a reason the why he grabbed the flag. He grabbed the flag for a right. reason. And it was great. It was like 
and again, like imagine that in an American movie. Like mm-hmm. one guy is holding this flag, like full out displayed, showing all of the colors of India. Like it was amazing. And it's because he wrapped himself in the flag to protect himself from the fire. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that part. Mm-hmm. And so they became friends. And there's a song about their friendship and about how like yeah. there's a whole, there's like a whole, it's like Hamilton. <laughs> it's like these describing like what's happening. Minute, there's a 15 minute montage of these guys. Yes. By like becoming prancing friends. through a field and doing like and getting on right, giving each other piggyback rides and doing squats. Like that's <laughs> that's it's literally great. what happens. It was great. But again, but the, even that part, the squat part, became a major theme at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because they have to team up. They have to team up at the end. And it's like they're sort of like one side is the fire, which is this guy who's in like the kind of the the the, the Republic Army of India that's actually working for the British monarchy, and this other guy who's trying to rescue this kid. And they, you know, at some point, the forces are going to have to clash against each other. And it's like, it's just all of these set pieces showing these two guys sort of come together and what story unfolds. And the story was good. The story wasn't bad, like at all. Like, was it perfect? No. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story just on its own. And they just wrapped different action set pieces around it. And and the whole dance number when they're at that party is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And if you're white, you're bad. Unless you're that one girl. And let, 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 unless you're the white woman that saves everybody. <laughs> and she dances exactly. at the end, too. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's into that dance. And that's that's what makes her, I guess, fall in love with that guy. I don't know. It's like that kind of weird thing. I did find it kind of hilarious when they first meet. And the guy's just like, oh, I want to go to your house. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he's saying. And she's like, and the, and the other guy's like, oh, she doesn't understand you. Um, and like, he kind of gives him tips, but it's great though. Like I think, and that's where the whole mm-hmm. dance number comes across and that dance is great. The it's Academy great Award sequence. nominated. It should be. Dance, uh, <laughs> it should be. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these two dudes leave nothing on the table. It's not like you watch a movie and you're like, okay, like, you know, you're watching, what is it? Um, La La Land. And you're like, okay, Ryan, like they're doing some, they're swinging on a light pole and they're dead. No, no, no. These two dudes go in on this dance. They go yeah. in. I've never seen two dudes dance harder in my life. <laughs> yeah, and then and then that's when the rivalry starts when yes. they catch eyes, and then now they're facing off against each other. It's great. It's great. And then the other guy pulls, a, you know, he pulls a hammy, you know, faking for his friend. It's great. The whole story is great. For me, yeah. the best the best action sequence is not the end. the The action I know sequence it, I know that made me that made I, me laugh I know out loud. Exactly. Do you? I know exactly. Yeah, explain it then. Yeah. Uh, is it is it the scene where he goes for the rescue with all the animals? Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. It's yeah, great. so so to tee that up, like there's a scene early on where he's like capturing this tiger. Well, he's capturing all these different and, animals, right? Like they kind of start. Yeah, but the scene shows yeah. him. The well, it starts with him trying to capture a wolf. Like they're trying to capture a wolf to start with. Oh yeah, and it ends up being right? like a tiger, and then it ends up being a tiger chasing the wolf. And they don't yeah. know it's a tiger. And this guy, I mean, he's got shirt off. And again, this guy's not, he's, he's, he's bear strong, right? Yes. The other guy yeah. is a little bit more, you know, he's got the square jaw. He's chiseled. He's, you know, he's sitting there punching a bag. Everything's good. And this guy's just, just big. And he's running through the forest with shirt off and like shorts. <laughs> yeah. As they're trying to capture the wolf. And then they realize that the wolf is actually the tiger. Yeah. And you wonder and, like why, 
why is this guy doing this stuff? And yes. then fast forward to an hour and a half later. Yes. The payoff comes. And <laughs> when, the great part is, and the great part of that, it's in the trailer as well, right? Which you don't know what yeah. the trailer is about. When he's basically sitting here, they got these two ropes that like connect the net, right? To capture something like a wolf, but it's a tiger, obviously, and the tiger's too big. So this guy, in his manliness, goes and grabs the two pieces of rope to keep the net on the tiger. And the tiger sort of, he had this real face-to-face moment, like almost like alien moment when the alien, when the little alien tongue comes out. And yeah. like the tiger roars at him. And this man, he roars back. <laughs> yeah, he does. And he, it, it is not just roaring. I mean, he like, it works up to a full on, and you're like, okay, this, this guy's a man. And so that's, yeah. that's where the pay, like you said, hour and a half later. When he tells his friend who he is, and his friend is, you know, his friend has been bit by a snake. <laughs> and, he's and then he perfectly, goes, and he's on the brink of perfectly recovering after like yes. five minutes. Yes, because he's because he's a superhero. Because these superhero. guys are two I mean, superheroes. I mean, they're both superheroes, right? Like as far as I know, I'm yeah, concerned, that's why is, it works. Yeah. If you ask me, this is this is Civil War, right? Yeah. These, these guys need to be in the next Fast and Furious movie. One guy's Iron Man. <laughs> one guy's Captain India. It's great, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. And so like yeah, that was the best part of the movie when the guy shows up in a giant like a like a giant zoo truck and he jumps out full force. I mean, it looked it looked like that in games or not in game. What is it? The um what's that? Uh Vol- or was it Voltron? Not Voltron. Whatever the 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 Avengers movie that no one likes. Oh, Ultron. Ultron. Voltron, Ultron. <laughs> Ultron, Ultron, same thing. Um, I get you. You know, there's a whole sequence when they're in the jungle, and they all kind of jump mm-hmm. forward, and it, that's exactly what it looks like. It's like that exact yes. same posing but with of a bunch five of animals. superheroes with a bunch of animals, and this guy coming out here, and he's got he's got a deer, he's got some wolves, he's got a tiger, he's got everything, and they're all coming out of the cage, and that's what I I busted out laughing because it was great, it was glorious. Yeah, I mean, Man. at one point he throws the tiger at a guy. <laughs> I, I mean, he impales a guy with the deer's antlers as well. It sure does. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. This movie's fantastic. I'm just watching this dance. This dance sequence is my favorite part in the movie, surprisingly. I loved it. It was great. Because, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here for the musical. But it was so well done. And these two dudes put so much into it that I'm like, well, these, you know, like, that deserves to be nominated for an Academy Award because, like, it, you know, he didn't, these guys just didn't half go into this. They bought into this idea of doing this dance on this, on oh, this yeah. film. And it's great. But also, <laughs> but also keep in mind that that is, is there's always one of these dance numbers at the end. No, no, no I don't but know I mean, if I guys, in the middle. You, sh- you should watch this again because this dude is killing it. It's, like, all out. Like, imagine being an actor and having to do this and just like, I mean, like this guy had to be exhausted after doing this. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So like, and again, this movie's on Netflix. If you're listening to this, even though we've spoiled a bunch of it for you, we haven't spoiled everything. You should still go watch this. It's, it's great. Yeah, it really yeah, is. And you know, and these guys are, are killer. And they, you'd think, now here's the question. Do you think, because these guys are enormous stars no at the uh, same time you know as as i'm as i'm watching this (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Uh you shouldn't watch stuff twice oh this is totally cg they've totally replaced the legs oh really yeah 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 (laughs) i'm watching it now i'm like oh that's why in the whole thing uh big parts of it are oh yeah that's 100 percent cg that's a digi double 
Still great, though. Wow. Don't care. It's still awesome. Like, you can very tell that they've replaced the heads. They've replaced some some waist and some legs at moments. Yeah, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It, don't, don't let that take away from how great this dance number is. It's amazing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it. There, there's some floating. But again, it still looks great. It looks great. There's definitely some face replacements. But again, it looks good, though. Like, on first watch, I didn't notice it. I was into it. But now I'm watching on YouTube and I'm staring at it and I'm like, okay, yeah, these two guys are obviously being replaced by digi doubles and CG characters, but it's still fantastic. Yeah, you just get like a five minute music video in the middle. Oh, of it's this, great in the middle of this action movie. It's it's amazing. And, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's fantastic. And I mean, these two dudes, there's no, there's no half step in here. This is all the way in. Man, this yeah. movie is great. So these guys are huge in uh, in the Telugu. I guess these are like the two biggest stars. So the question is, do these do you think these guys make any appearances in American Hollywood? I don't. I don't think they have. Movies. I mean, this is the most. Expensive no, they don't Indian have to. I know that, yeah, yeah. but this is the most expensive but, Indian yeah. film ever made. By the way, this is seventy million to make this most expensive movie ever made in India. The amount of extras, like I actually looked it up, like number of extras in RRR, because do there's over two thousand. Yeah. In one shot. And again, and it's not just extras. Indian people, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of European people, a lot of British people. Like it's it's got a mixture of everybody in this thing. Oh yeah. Did uh now what did you think of that sequence the first time you get introduced to the guy in the like in the police force? <laughs> and then he because he he tries to get that guy and he fights like a thousand people. Yeah, <laughs> and again, th- that's kind of what I was expecting, to be honest. That didn't that didn't surprise, and that, I think that's why. Like, I've watched enough of these types of movies from India where you're like, okay, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, the guy's a superhero. And you watch it, and it's exciting, And but it wasn't anything that I'd really seen that was new. I, I think the bridge scene is the sequence that, for me, it was like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to try some different stuff here. And then the dance sequence yeah. was great, because that was different as well. And then the animals, like, it kind of kept building up to sort of the end, which is also an awesome sequence in the end as well. Like, you know, not to completely spoil it, but at some point they have to team up again together. And the one guy's carrying the other guy. And that whole sequence is just really great because one guy's, like, reloading the gun for him as he's on his shoulders, like, doing all of these acrobatic. And again, these are, these are like, these are like 1920s, 30s rifles. Like, still Indian, you know, still British occupation of India, if not earlier yeah. than that, right? So, like, it's still, you know, it's not like it's not like an assault rifle or something that's more modern. It's like old school weapons, old school bolt action rifles. That's just, it's good. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I, I think this is, I wasn't surprised how good this was. We had talked about this a lot. Like, just seeing the trailer, I kind of knew, like, all right, this is going to be a good one. And it's it's better than I expected. This movie's great, and why it's not nominated for more stuff? Like, is it, is this nominated for best international film? I don't know because it should uh, be, and it's not. I don't think it is because action movies don't get the credit that they should. Sadly enough, yeah, this thing definitely should be nominated for that. Now, I don't. I feel like it should be nominated for best picture. I, I agree. This movie's great. Now, does it hurt that it didn't like? Isn't it just? Aren't they re-releasing it in the movie theater like this weekend in the states? Like it yeah, didn't get I'm a gonna, giant I'm run. Say it they, yeah, it didn't get a giant run in the movie theater. Just like it, I mean, it got a bit of a run here, but it didn't get the. It didn't get an Avatar esque run even for a week, right? Like it didn't get the hundreds of screens and that as a big release, a big picture release 
Um, so it was nominated for Best Non-English Language Film for a Golden Globe. It did not okay. win. Uh, what won? I have no idea. Uh, let's see. Oh, you're going to... Who the hell knows? Let's see. Oh, here we go. 80th. This, uh, looking at Wikipedia here. It's not easy to navigate this stuff. Uh, let's see. Best non-English. So it was... Oh. So the winner was Argentina. Never heard of it. 1985. Argentina, 1985. I don't know. But the other nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front, Close, Decision to Leave, and RRR. So then, and then for the Academy Awards, no, it's just nominated for Best Original Song, which is nuts. Yeah, which is nuts. Which is, and again, Argentina, 1985 is kind of a, it's a movie about an event in Argentina, which is always what kind of wins those things, right? Like, and RRR is a, you know, it's a, it's an action comedy film that's based on fictional, you know, colonized India. Look, man, no disrespect to you. This movie's better than Avatar. I mean, I enjoyed Avatar's it. I enjoyed the watching it more than Avatar. I'm sure working on this oh, is a nightmare. I, I mean, did you see the visual effects credits at the end of this thing? I mean, it's, it's all the same companies that work on the Marvel movies. Just, you know, they have a lot of Indian offices and stuff, but it was all MPC oh, and wow. digital domain. It was all the same companies. So this yeah. isn't this isn't a small budget film. Like there's some good work. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah. There was a lot of bodies thrown at this thing. Absolutely. Like, so bet. it's yeah. So it's good. Again, I enjoyed it. It's my it's the best movie I saw all year. Really? You think it's better than Top Gun Maverick? I don't think I could say that. I don't think yes. it's better than Maverick. Yes, but... it's better than Maverick. Yes. hundred percent is wow. better than Maverick. Wow. Okay. I had more again, I, I had a lot of fun watching Top Gun and I saw that in the movie theater. But Man, I enjoyed this movie. This movie was like legitimately enjoyable for me to watch. I've seen Top Gun three times. Uh, I need to see this again, and then I will make a call. And again, Top Gun to me is is a theatrical experience. Like this should be nominated the over the theater. Fablemans. The Fablemans is on this <laughs> list for Best Picture. No, this is better than the Fablemans. I'm telling you, this is why you shouldn't listen to the Academy Awards because this movie. If Top Gun to be Maverick nominated. wins. If Top Gun Maverick wins, I won't, won't be disappointed. If anything else wins, Best Picture, then I'm going to be mad. This was Top Gun out. Maverick's not going to win. It's not going to win. Should. Yeah. Should. I, I liked it. It was good. Of these 10? Should. And speaking of which, the Oscars are, ne- are next week, so it's not a bad time to talk about the the Oscar list. So what, let me see what the Academy Award nominations are. I haven't seen are. a lot of these. I haven't seen like a ton of these movies. To be, actually, no, and that's again, a lie. I've seen like half of them. And again, they're just not like it's fine. Like again, I'm I'm just I'm not I'm not a believer in this system. The system is is a mess. Um, yeah. Like this dude's gonna win for Elvis. Like enough with Elvis. Enough. Um, but he was good in Elvis. I thought I've people I haven't seen good. Elvis. And again, that's a lot of movie too. I'm like I'm not watching. But it's funny because like, yeah. he's apparently awesome, and Tom Hanks is apparently terrible in that movie. Chapin. Yeah, so best picture: All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Banshees of. Inishirin? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, that's from the that yeah, that's the one with Colin Farrell. It's like the director, the guy who did three billboards and um uh in Bruges, that dude. Tar, which I, uh-huh. I have and haven't watched it. Shirts Fine, it. Top Gun, The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I'm gonna say if you have a dark horse, it's gonna be that. Yes. Because that keeps winning a bunch of stuff, and that will be the dark horse to win if it wins. Triangle of Sadness. So my dad, when my talking, dad watched RRR. I recommended yeah. RRR to him, and he loved it. Then he watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once because everybody recommended him, and 
he did not like it. Yeah, <laughs> and like, that's, I that's what I would say is a real required. Again, that story is not as strong. That story falls apart a little bit at the end for me. It's fine, but it gets a little gets a little strenuous at the end. We're like, okay, I get it, but it's good. Sure. It's really it, to me. I just saw that as a real creative filmmaking, right? Like that's very clearly two guys. And again, they they, they did the what is it? The turn down for what music video, which looks exactly the same. Well, like it looks exactly the same. But again, it's still creative. It's well done. And it's it's a new creative idea versus sequels and things, you know, recreating things that have already happened. Um, yes. Which is kind of what Hollywood does, and they reward you for playing Elvis. Right? Like, you get rewarded for, for playing, you know, famous people that they love. Like, it's just how it works. Yeah, this Banshees of this thing, I've never heard of this movie before. Weird. Wow. Yeah, that's like it's the weird premise where this basically a friendship and the guy's like, anytime you try to talk to me, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers. Wow. I don't know if I want to watch this. Yeah. Then. I'm good. I don't need that All in right. my life. Sounds like an Alice type movie. Yeah. Oh, God. It was just, just pain and sadness. Yeah. Huh. But it's apparently so anyway, a comedy, too. Yeah. Anyways, RRR is definitely worth watching. It's on Netflix. If you want to yes, watch it, but you can't. But you can't watch it in the original language on Netflix, so it's a bit weird. Yeah, which is weird. Um, you can watch it with Hindu sub Hindu uh, voiceovers, like that dub. They the two guys do their own voices, so that makes yeah, okay. it a little bit better. And that's how I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Huh. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like the fact that like, yeah, everyone, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win a bunch of awards because like even for supporting role, like it's got two nominations there. Like, yeah. It's going to win for a lot of stuff, and it might win best oh, totally. picture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I mean, oh, real quick, I, real quick. One other thing that I watched. I watched The Woman King. Oh yeah, how was that? Because I kind of want to see that. And the only, it's okay. The only thing that I didn't okay. realize was that it was John Boyega's in this movie. I didn't recognize him. Oh really? I mean, it, he, now looking he... back on it, I was like, well, that's dumb. That definitely looks like John Boyega, but he just looks he looks skinny. So good. For all him. Right. That's it. That's all I got. It's it's a good movie. It's uh, I enjoyed it. It was good. I mean, when you're getting Viola Davis in a movie, you know you're gonna get some good acting. So it's good. Enjoyed it. All right. Cool. Uh, there is a game I want to talk about, but I don't know if I want to talk about it now. I just want to end this. But all right. Well, basically, yeah, all right. Let's do this. Oh, <clears throat> I played through Atomic Heart, which came out. Um couple weeks back it's on game pass this is a game that has a bit of a controversy around it because the developers are a russian developer and okay. yep some of the funding may or may not have come from russian oligarchs now the game is published by uh the french publisher focus entertainment uh Look, the way game development works, this game was in development for years. A really, really, really long time. Really long time. And these guys, I think now they have offices all over. I think a bunch of them, like some went to Cyprus, some are in, I mean, some developers might be in Ukraine, but it's basically made by a developer called Munfish. Um, The... The controversy over the game is pretty obvious, right? Like, 
Sure, do you play absolutely. the game? Do you support well, the game? I mean, I, I guess. The, is yeah, I mean, I guess that's the question, Russia. though. Like, I mean, sure, that's what's that's what's going on in Russia, but like. I, I don't know. Like, unless it's unless it's directly funded by the Russian government, which you could argue that Russian oligarchs are part of the Russian government. But I wouldn't make that argument personally. Like, the, you can't. Like, the developers and people aren't actively supporting this. I don't think. I guess that's the question. I, I just don't. You'd have to do your research if you really wanted to make sure that the buying of this game was not supporting a war effort. But you can't make that assumption with anything i'm watching the game now it looks fine um, the game is so i played through yeah. the game is incredible now the other thing that makes it a little bit more unsavory is the fact that the game is actually about a thriving soviet union in yeah. an alternative <laughs> history 1955 yeah and, that's a little, a little trickier <laughs> and if you're to play this now as someone in the states playing the game these weird I these weird little android more, things though look odd i must say which one? The the lady robots or the all the of them? Little the robots that you or the fight. fodder ones. They just look. I'm just watching yeah. the IGN review. They all just look a little weird. Oh yeah, the guys you fight, but that's kind of the point. Like they're meant to be these jank ones, and then you have the the twins or like the ballerina robots, which are like oddly sexualized, <laughs> and that's like canonized in the game as well. Like as you learn about them, which is kind of wild. It's interesting, um, and. Yeah, like the the idea of playing this game, like putting myself in the shoes of somebody who might be playing this game, say in Lithuania or Poland or even Ukraine, it's yeah. probably like a horrifying thing to play and a oh, questionable sure. thing to support. And I get that. And I and there's a level of disconnect. Like you talk about separating the art from the artist. Yeah. This game is also decidedly like anti-communist <laughs> in its hmm. messaging. So it's not like it really glorifies the Soviet Union. Now you start the game and if you're to just play the first hour, like it's very Bioshock inspired in that it's creating this alternative, unique world to explore. It's kind of linear. Yeah. There's some exploration in there as well. The pacing is so weird. It's probably one of the strangest paced games I've ever played because it just doesn't like it starts off linear for the first like five hours. Then you're in an open area and then you go to these areas that you're spending hours in in more of these linear environments. So it's like kind of all over the place. But I was able to enjoy this thing as a piece of art and entertainment as it was without these yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's tricky. Dilemmas, right? But of course, it's, it's odd. Yeah. yeah, it's tricky. I mean, we've talked about separating art from the artist and that gets harder and harder these days. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm watching this game and it looks it looks like it's a lot of fun. It looks like it's an interesting story. But, like, you also sometimes have to take things at face value. Like, it's a bunch of creative people trying to make a creative thing. I don't think you can't look into everything with, like, what was the real intention of this of them making this? Like, if you enjoyed it, it's tough to completely separate whether or not you should play something that's fun. I mean, look, I would argue a lot of people have this issue with Grand Theft Auto, right? Like, Grand Theft Auto games are a lot of fun. But there's some themes and things in those games that I would argue we shouldn't support. Well, it'd be like if Grand Theft Auto was funded by a bunch of drug dealers. Right, or if it was funded by like... <laughs> and drug you know, dealers may be yeah. more enriched as a result of the success. Right, or if it was like funded uh, by like yeah. the mafia, right? Like, you know, organized crime or something like that. Yeah. Um, now, so the yeah, other thing is like some of this, some of this, um, some of the criticism that they get is a bit, is unnecessary, I think, because they're like, oh, why don't you condemn the war in Russia? It's like, well, if they are in Russia and they condemn the war in Russia, they're, they're fucked. Risked. 
Yeah, they're it's risk. literally illegal. There's not free speech in Russia. That's yes. not how it works. A little different. So you can't yeah. do those things. Um, but putting aside all that, and I don't really do that lightly, um, because yeah, I mean, I work with guys in Lithuania. I work with guys in Poland. Yeah, it's tough. Like this is these guys. I talk to them about it during over the course of the week, just kind of getting their temperature on it. And yeah, they're like, yeah, it's kind of messed up. We're not going to play it. Yeah. And I was like, completely understood. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's where the difference is, right? Like if, uh-huh. like if people in those countries don't like, it's much different. Like, yeah, they don't want to support a hundred percent understand, but I can also understand yeah. like if the game is good and you don't have as nearly as much attachment that like, it's kind of up to your own personal feelings and morality of how you support this. Like it's tough. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like there's lots of stuff that people I'm sure question their support. Like that happened with Blizzard, right? Like Blizzard has all this stuff come out about their culture and how the, you know, how the games are made and sexism and misogyny and abuse and all these things. And it's like, well, do you delete Overwatch and get rid of World of Warcraft? A lot of people did, right? And a lot, and a lot of people didn't. So it's like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to make a one rule of you should do this, but I would a hundred percent understand if you are living in a situation where this is your neighbor and you are living in fear because your neighbor very well could do the same to you that they've done to Ukraine. And you think buying this game supports that effort, then a hundred percent. I get that you go, I'm not playing this thing. And I go hundred percent. I get it. Yeah. Now, all that being said, I actually did really, really enjoy this game. Yeah, I mean, looks this like game is it's wildly imaginative, imaginative. The world they built again, as creepy as it is, and watching this whole thing kind of fall apart, which kind mm-hmm. of I don't know, maybe somewhat cathartic for some people, but you still have to deal with the truth where a guy's right. being like, Oh, I'm a I'm a loyal citizen of the Soviet Union. And it's like, like yeah. that is actually things that are being said. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's crazy. But the world that they're building is so cool. Like some these these alternate history and the and the creativity they have and how this world works and the robotics and all this is just so cool. And even the like the choreography of some of these uh cutscenes they do and how they create like you said the robots are kind of creepy. The way they do these cutscenes with the ballerina robots is so insane and over the top and wild. Also, I don't know if their intent was to kind of spark this very unusual and concerning fandom around these robots. Hmm. But they're out they're out there now. So oh, those um, robots are super creepy. It's weird. But be on I the lookout. Yeah. Bolo. Look up uh yeah, there's uh there's some interesting <laughs> int- there's an interesting you see what people are talking about? It's not what you think. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the game the game is very uh, it's very cool, very interesting. Um, again, the pacing is super bizarre. I probably ignored maybe sixty percent of the content in the game just because I didn't feel like I had to do it, and I was fine with it. The yeah. it was just a very cool game. I thought the story was interesting. The world is is incredible. Their world building is is unreal. The soundtrack was great. The downside that everybody brings up is the is the voice acting of the main character and how the writing is a little questionable, especially in English. It may be in the native Russian. It's fine. By the way, I tried to play this game in Russian, but the subtitles were so incredibly small that and, uh, and the way that it would sometimes layer the UX over the subtitles, I couldn't read it a lot of the times. So I had to switch to English. Yeah, it's a little weird to hear a guy constantly say crispy critters over and over again. <laughs> like instead of saying, oh, shit. He'd be like crispy critters. 
Like he'd say that over and over and over again. And it's ridiculous. And yeah, the guy's kind of a dick. Um, He's not the most pleasant protagonist, but, and he, and he seems to have substantial mood swings, but I think that might also be a result of the localization and how voiceovers were recorded and that kind of Mm. thing. Cause all that aside, I really enjoyed it. If you have game pass, check it out. If you don't, and feel comfortable spending 70, 60 bucks. I think it's worth it. But yeah. also know all that stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Where it's so a little more. Questionable. Where the money get might game... be going might not be where you want it to go. So yeah, if you get if you have Game Pass, they already got their money. They're not really getting any more of it. Yeah. So that's one way to appease it. But again, it I do understand probably more than you know, more so than like the Harry Potter debate, which we haven't talked about in a while, and I don't want to. Wait, is that but still? More so than oh, because that. that that game, right? The the Hogwarts yeah, game yeah, was yeah, a big yeah. hit. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff around that is kind of gross. Um, not so much the actual debate around J.K. Rowling. I really don't give a shit. I'm I'm not playing it because I just don't care about Harry Potter. But yeah. the, and again, um, I like the yeah, like that stuff's tricky just because one, I'm not. A, neither of us are Harry Potter fans. Yeah, and but two, the difference like, what, with that. Yeah, yeah, like that's the creator of it, but you know, it's become such a universe on its own. Can you separate the person who originally created this to all of the great? Because I hear that that game's a lot of fun, right? But here's the difference between this and Harry Potter. This is like the reason people don't want to support this is because it enriches people who are starting a like a catastrophic war against an entire group of people. Yes, that's a different verse. I mean, I mean, that's a lot different than. I don't like the things that she said. Yeah, and, and it's and it's <laughs> against a it's against an entire group of people. Some people would say that's what J.K. Rowling is doing against an entire group of people, but this is people of all types. It's the moon. It's, it's it is it's, yeah. It's the fucking and, and again moon, I don't man. I don't like, I, I, and that's what I mean. I'm not educated enough about either to really have a full on discussion about it. But I just know it goes back to the do you separate the art from the artist and specifically the creator from everything that's created by the people. Like, it's not like it's one person creating the game or, you know, creating this stuff. It's normally teams of a lot of people who have nothing to do with any of these things. They just want to work on games or work on this content. So they, you're affecting the, you're hurting the wrong people, so to speak, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Like you're hurting the poor guy who just has to write the code for making a really awesome game. And he's living his dream or living her dream. And yet you're punishing them because something that someone five steps removed from them is said, X amount of time is that like how what's the fairness in that so it's tricky yep exactly but i i think it's an interesting conversation to have i don't know it's funny how these conversations will happen leading up to the game mm. and then once they come out no one's really talking about it anymore once the websites realize that the games will drive clicks by telling people strategy guides and highlights and these but that's with cool everything, it though. Just like, it's yeah, just, exactly. And a lot of times, the people who drum a lot of this stuff up, right or wrong, regardless, like, it's not an argument about right or wrong. It's just an argument about, well, it's content. So they don't necessarily feel strongly one way or the other, but they report the content with a slant that incites, and then they move away from it because, well, I'm not going to keep writing about this because at the end of the day, I really didn't care about the people that this affects. I cared about the story I was writing and I'm going to find the next story. So it's not to condemn one way or the other. It's just the reality of where we are, where a lot of people find topics and things to write about and they move on to the next one. It's not like they continuously try and they're like, oh, I'm just bringing it to light. And then the community can do with what it needs to do with it. 
And you could argue for some people that's great because it brings light to some of this stuff. But other times it's not really done in fairness, so to speak. It's not done to really solve the issue. It's just, hey, here's another thing I can talk about until I wait for the next story that has something similar. So do with that what you will. Because, yep. yeah, I, I'd, well, I'd argue, and I'll say this against the film that I worked on, there's a lot of cultural appropriation that never got brought up, that I was sure was going to get brought up. And I think there's maybe a few things and people on social media had brought it up, but it very clearly wasn't the story to tell about Avatar in a way that they felt was any sort of useful to whatever the, the narrative of the moment was. Like, it's interesting, because I was for sure expecting there to be an article about why, you know, why white people shouldn't be making movies about Native cultures, but it never came. And I would argue that's a good thing, right? It didn't need to come, no, because I think people could talk about it, and I think there's enough themes where he tried to correct some of that. He tried to show how important some of these things are, and the way the Native way of thinking is the way we should be thinking. But you could also argue that, like, you see my point, like, you could spin yourself in circles trying to figure out should you condemn dim something or not and it gets really tricky and it's up to i think each individual person has to make that decision yep. yeah exactly and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day that, yeah that personal decision so yeah all right yeah well, i think that's a good place to stop then cool um what, uh, the only other thing on. that i saw was that i i need to make a decision whether or not i'm gonna buy a ps5 because um, mm. i can get one now and uh i haven't done it and I don't think I will because I need that one game that just spurs me to go over the edge because it's all the God of War bundle that's out. And yeah. a lot of people say God of War is a great game, but I also know myself and know, am I going to put in the effort to play? I still haven't beat um, Horizon, whatever it's called, I don't remember the name of it, For Forbidden West, not beat that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you can play the rest on PS5. It looks incredible. Yeah, I'm sure well, it does, but yeah. Here's here's my experience. Having owning a PS5 and a Series X, I play my Series X way Interesting. way more than my PS5. And the reason is Game Pass. Hmm. I use my PS5 to play things like Horizon, like God of War, you know, the PlayStation exclusives. Maybe if something makes its way to PS Plus, or if there's a game that's exclusive like Roller Drome, I'll play that. But otherwise, yeah, man, like the amount of good stuff that's coming to Game Pass. Like I look at my list that I'm keeping so far this year. I played Immortals Phoenix Rising early this year. That was on Game Pass. Hi-Fi Rush. That was a day one Game Pass release. That was awesome. Atomic Heart. Just talked about that. That was on Game Pass. And now I'm playing. Uh, and then I I mean, I just started playing Like a Dragon Ishii. And I'll talk more about that next time. But the um, I bought that on Xbox only because I like the controller on Xbox more as well. Because mm-hmm. I got tiny hands. I got tiny baby hands. Yeah. That's just how it goes sometimes. All right. Don't judge me. Don't talk shit about my, my tiny little hands. So yeah, there's, um, yeah, the amount of good stuff. Yeah. Citizen sleeper. That was on game pass high on life. Questionable now tiny kin gun grave gore. That game was a mess. Proteus. These are all the game pass games I played last year. Metal hell singer, final fantasy 13. That was a weird one. Uh, <laughs> Uden Chronicles rise. Like I, there are so many good games on game pass and the day one stuff. Hell you we were playing halo. Yeah. That campaign that was game pass Forza horizon five, the amount of good shit on there. It's so much good stuff. You could buy the console. You get game pass. You don't have to buy another game again. You're good. You're going to miss the PS five exclusives. And if that's what you care more about, which I argue, those are phenomenal games. Totally understandable. 
the, the only thing that really piqued my interest was if another kill zone comes and if it's in VR, I'm buying everything. Weird. Uh, there won't be. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I'd say that with, look, I don't have any proof that that's, that what I just said is true, but I am like, I think her, I think gorilla is all in on horizon. Again, I if really you get another, there, there's like another kill zone. Game it's series. not going to be made by, Again, like, it's weird that. because you would argue like I I, I play I dibble I I don't consider myself a gamer I don't play enough games, but Killzone and Titanfall will get me to buy anything because for whatever reason I just love those two IPs, and I, the fact that I don't pay Apex Legends, which is kind of supposed to be, uh, is weird. I've never played that game and it's free to play, and I feel like Literally by the time I was ready to play it, it was already sort of Fortnite territory, and I was like, I can't be down. I can't be bothered with that. But Killzone, yeah, but Spider- I bought my Spider-Man I bought my, doesn't have a gun in Apex. Yeah, I bought my PS3 because of Killzone. Mm. And I had an oh, HDTV yeah, okay. and I bought that. That game was fun. The the Vita, played that Killzone game on Vita, which was awesome. That thing was great, yeah. So yeah, like I'm you make a you make a Killzone game or you make a Titanfall game, I'm in. And so yeah, I, I just I saw rumors about possibly getting a, a PSVR, PlayStation VR two Killzone game. And it might just be a rumor. So, meanwhile, here I am discovering a love of boomer shooters, which are like old school style like '90s, Doom. early aughts games. They're yeah, awesome. Like, yeah, it's like Doom. Yeah, between Proteus, Iron Fury, Phantom Fury is one of my most anticipated games of the year because it looks like a game from like about 2000 era, where I would be looking at pictures online and be like, "Whoa, the graphics are awesome." <laughs> And I was a dumb kid. Yeah. And you know what? Those games were awesome. And the graphics were fine. But to my dumb little kid brain, <laughs> they were mind-blowing. You'll, you'll look back on the games released today and think the same in about 10 years. Uh, it's funny how that yeah, works. Yeah, uh, some. Depends. Yeah, some. But depends. A lot of them, I, I think, think you once you get once you get to PS3 and 360... A lot of that stuff actually does surprisingly hold up quite well. Yeah, and like when it, it gets really remastered, does. right? It gets new textures and 4K, and you know, it 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 stands up okay. Like it's not like you look at those and go, "Oh man, I can't believe this is what we were doing ten years ago." No, N64, N64, PlayStation One, PS that those were the roughest. Well, and looking then, at Mario 64, that game looks like it's it's crazy how bad that looks. Even though that game is like yeah. one of the most popular games for that system, right? Like. If it's not one, it's not yeah, two. and even and that's not even the worst. But like yeah. you look at a game like what the hell was the name of that game? Like Aiden Chronicles. Like look up that thing, Aiden Chronicles. I don't know why I think about that, uh, but look up Aiden Chronicles from N sixty four, and you're like, holy hell! Oh yeah, this game's bad. This game looks like shit, like absolute yeah. shit. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're, really yeah, I don't know why that's the example I think of. It was like that and like quest 64 i'm like thinking of kind of these adventure games that weren't zelda and it's like man these look bad but like jet these force Gem- really... i remember jet force gemini and i was like man this game is great yeah that looks look like shit it, too and that game looks awful but if i i remember that game is like man this was like a real creative awesome looking thing and then you look at like gameplay this, like, this looks terrible <laughs> it's really bad yeah it also it also controls uh quite a quite a bit assy that's a game that i would love to see get a get another chance so would i because that game was a lot of fun and it had some real clever game mechanics in it 
But if you watch, yeah. if you look at the replay of this, like I'm, I'm watching just the gameplay of this, and it's bad. It's so bad. Now, a bunch of people who worked on Jet Force Gemini, Gemini came out with a game called Tamarin, and you were like this little cute furry guy, and then he just like busts out a machine gun and he's shooting a bunch of these blue bugs, similar to Jet Force Gemini. And that game, I was so hyped for it, and it apparently sucks. Like it's apparently really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like it's tough. Like I think you know the things that you gameplay is just. You know, it's really come a long way, and I think I you'll your see dog's the same. name was yeah. who the hell? Who the hell named the dog Lupus in Jeff Force Gemini? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because remember there was the girl, the guy, and then the. But yeah, just look at this. Yeah. Even the gameplay, it's like it's a lot of real. Oh my god, this girl skating. is creepy looking. It's bad. That uh, that that skirt. This is so nineties. This is so ninety nine. This, oh, this to me is man. When you when you talk about games that don't hold up the way you thought they do, it was this one because I love this game. I played this game. To I death. did too. And yeah, it was ugh, great. It's, I mean, even just the movement of his legs are rough. <laughs> I tried playing it on uh, Rare Replay, and it's brutal. It's because they didn't, they didn't really get the controls where they needed to be. The other problem with this game is it had the most irritating end game ever because you had to complete every objective, find every collectible. That's why I never finished the game. Never saw the true ending. It's impossible. Oh. Yeah, Jeff Force Gemini. But yeah, I mean things. It, you know, a lot of this stuff actually holds up pretty well. I don't think there'll be a point where like Horizon Forbidden West looks bad. That game. No, is I don't think so. I mean, there will be a point where you see a massive leap. But, Although, you know, I, but the game there is look bad though. Yeah, there is. There are these people now who call out how <laughs> Aloy's face in uh, in Horizon <laughs> in Horizon uh, Zero Dawn looks insanely bad. <laughs> It just looks hilariously creepy and weird. Like, why does her face and head look like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to find a video about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's again like those games are really. I just love the art design of it. Like, even if they don't technically, look oh, the world very, is incredible. The world, the world is unreal. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right, I gotta jump. I gotta play some hockey. So uh, we're gonna wrap two this hours thing long. Up. We're still making marathon podcasts. One day we will uh, we'll sort that out and make it make it shorter. So well, a long shower for Greg. Long shower. We got shit to talk about. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Greg, get the fuck out of there. <laughs> get out of the shower, Greg. All right, we're get done. out of the shower. Yep, it's over. All right, you know he's abroad.com. Find the links. Tell your friends. Turn it up in the shower so they could hear these links. He's abroad.com. Tell everybody. Review us, that kind of stuff. Till next time. Oh, where's my soundboard? Oh, here we go. Oh, shuck it, duck it now.